Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. The sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $150 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and... You feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 197 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Sorry for the delay, folks. I mean, I know it's Wednesday and we always get them out on Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, normally I upload them at uh, Tuesday night. So they're out, like, you know, first thing bright and early Wednesday morning. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, circumstances did not allow me to. Uh more or less uh, to read between the lines. I fell asleep after supper. <laughs> Slept the night away. So you're getting it here Wednesday evening. But uh, got a great episode for you guys. Um, it is another one of the season ticket series. And this time my old friend John Searson from the UK joins me. And we are going to talk about the British Super League. The BISL. And uh, it's the year 2000-2001. And we go through the different teams and the and the top. And I'll tell you guys, I, and I say it in the episode, and I've, I've said it before, but man, um, I think people have slept on the toughness that was over in the UK back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Because I'll tell you, when we go through these rosters, stacked. 
Morissette, Bedard, uh, you know, on and on. And, it, you know, Rob Tremblay, Clayton Norris, Schulte, uh, Vial, it's uh, tremendous for own, you know, and it, um, yeah, we have, and, uh, and I always enjoy having John on anyway, and I'd like to thank him for coming on again. Uh, Paul, thank you for your help out in the UK. Wonderful channel. Yeah, UK fights. If you've watched a fight from the UK, it's Paul's. But, um, guys, seriously, uh, I, I encourage you to go and check out Paul's channel and look up some of the fights that we talk about. Um, and awesome. Bedard gets into some awesome tilts over there. And, uh, yeah, we break it all down in this season ticket series. And this is the third installment of that series. Um, I had Anthony on to talk with about the East Coast League. And, of course, I had Jay on to talk about the United League. And uh, I'm really enjoying the series. It's uh, To me, it's kind of a unique thing. Um, you know, and, and it'll always obviously be fight central, like, you know, based, fight based and stuff. But we'll talk about other things as well. But uh, just different stories that happen throughout the, you know, throughout the uh, season. And, uh, I don't know, it's just something different. Like I said, it's 197 episodes, you know, you, you start, uh, the well starts running a little dry. And, uh, but, uh, I have some guests lined up for you guys. Uh, you know, just gotta pick a time and hopefully they can get on and we can record something. But, uh, uh, of course, if, uh, any, any of the UK fans are lit, I'm sure this will get a few, a uh, few new listeners. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I do two shows a week, Wednesday and Sunday. And, uh, usually Wednesday is like an interview show or what have you. And then Sunday is my, my rant episode where, I don't know, usually something on social media and the hockey world is bugging me. So I'll yell about that or we talk about some old fights or some old lists or something. Yeah, whatever. We just, we just yap here. So I, uh, and like I said, it's episode 197. I encourage you to please go check the back catalog. I've had some tremendous guests on Steve McIntyre, uh, John Morasti, uh, Zach Fitzgerald, Colt King for you UK fans, Mike McWilliam for you older UK fans, Frank Kovacs, uh, Paul Ferrone, um, Riley Emerson, Matt Nickerson, uh, Sean McMorrow. I've had all the UK, uh, lots of UK guys on. Um, uh, Joe Grimaldi, that was a very polarizing interview that uh, people got worked up about. But yeah, I've had great guests on and they tell some great stories and I encourage you to check out the back catalog. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, as we kind of get close to the playoffs here and wrapping up, uh, you know, getting ready to go into the playoffs, they're, they got lots to talk about coming down to the wire. So check them out. For my off-network friends, of course, we got, you know, all Olin Salem there. He, like I said, he packed up the shanty and moved to North Carolina. Uh, he hasn't done an episode for a little bit. Uh, they're still searching for the Wi-Fi. You know, uh, you know, the Sonic drive-through kicked him out. So now he's trying to figure out the neighbor's password. So I don't know when he's coming out with another episode. He plans on it. But I mean, like I said, you know, anything to avoid paying the wife, the, the, you know, the internet bill. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but I'm sure he'll come something out. But in the meantime, uh, while we're waiting for new episodes, I will begrudgingly admit that he has a tremendous back catalog. Yablonski, Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, Jacques Mayotte. Check it out. Also, he has the Five for Fighting YouTube channel, which he is uploading East Coast League fights from this year and last year. He just kind of got rolling. So if you could subscribe to the channel, we're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers. So, um, and it's just a little thing, the little bell up in the right hand corner, bang, nail it. You subscribe and away we go. It helps Alec out and, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Then of course, in the heart of New York City, MSG, the world's most famous arena, none other than Broadway, Joe Lazito. Give me a little, you know.
Yeah, tremendous. Coliseum Chronicles, it's a New York Islander-based podcast. I know, I just threw out Heart of New York, MSG, and now I throw the Islanders at you. But yes, it is a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Again, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Strudwick, Asham, Bolton, Matt Karkner, on and on. Joe does a tremendous job. Um, yeah, Joe, I, Joe's been busy and stuff and trying to round up guests and with work and everything else. Um, it's been a little while since he's putting out an episode, but I mean, they'll be coming, folks. Believe me, no, no one's retired yet. I mean, there's a few people that probably wish somebody would take two weeks off and then quit, but no one's quit yet. They're just sort of taking breaks. I don't, I don't have that luxury, folks. No, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm the hardest working man in podcasting here. I'm here twice a week for you guys. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the sick time. I don't have the vacation time. My union doesn't have that, like, like, uh, Coden Salen and, and Jolt and Joe do. So, yeah, I gotta talk, to, I gotta talk to these network guys. I'm telling you, Ethan Dillon are, yeah, that's tough, tough bosses, man. I don't know. But, uh, Definitely give Joe's Joe's channel a, a, a show a listen. Uh, again, I've known Joe a long time. Does a great job um, in depth interviews. You, if you didn't know the guy at the start of the interview, you will uh, you will by the end. Um, I've had Joe on a few times on my show. Tremendous guest. Uh, yeah, and I, I always I always give Joe a hard time, but you know you know I always stick up for Joe. You know, some people say he's not fit to shovel horse shit. I said he is so so. That's Broadway Joe Lozito. Give it to Lozito. All right, folks. Uh, enough of this because Searson and I yap. I think it's, I can't remember. It was last week, but I think it's almost three hours. So I'll shut up and get out of here. But <clears throat> before I go, as I said, follow me on Twitter at Facebook, Fourth Line Voice. Send me a friend's request, what have you. Also, check out my YouTube channel. Again, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,700 uh, fight videos on there. Type in whatever league you're looking for. Everything's sorted. Uh, if you could subscribe to the channel, it'd be greatly appreciated. And also, whatever platform you happen to be listening to this podcast on right now, could you rate and review my show? It definitely it helps me out in the searches. And uh, Joe and Alec, if you could help, if you could uh, review their show as well, because like I said, I'll, it's the little things that you guys do that that might not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to us because it helps us out. So yeah, if you could rate and review, tremendous. As I always say, if you could download the episode. Um, that's how I get paid is by the download. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Throwing it right out on Main Street for you guys. Uh, so please, uh, if you could do that, it would be, uh, greatly appreciated. Anyway, but yeah, like I said, it'd be, it'd be very much appreciated if you guys could do that. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Again, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for, I know there's a million podcasts in the world. The fact that you chose to take time out of your, out of your day to listen to this one is greatly appreciated. I hope you come back. For those, for those other listeners that are, are back again, thank you. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the kind words. And like I said, I've been getting actually a lot of, uh, uh, emails and private messages lately. And, and I really appreciate it. And hey, I'd love to hear from you guys. Like I said, social media, get a hold of me through there. If you're not on social media, you're smarter than the rest of us. But if you're not, hockey fights at hotmail. Like I said, all one word. I still have a hotmail account. Hockey fights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. Uh, give me some ideas, feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. I'd like to, like I said, it's, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm always up for constructive criticism. If there's something I'm not doing, if there's something I am doing that's annoying, let me know, cause I won't know unless someone tells me. So, uh, yeah. But if you just want to, if you have a story, if you have something to share, I'd love to hear it. So please drop me a line. Love to hear from you guys. But, uh, I'll shut up. Let's get into it. Here's my conversation with John Searson, hopping the time machine, getting the DeLorean with us. 
Let's hit 88 miles an hour and head back. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> Two thousand, the year two thousand, and let's enjoy the British Super League. All right, guys, thank you. We'll talk to you on Sunday. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice. Another edition of the season ticket series, and today we are covering the two thousand and two thousand one. British Super League, and I have the uh, authority, the UK authority on fights over there. John on the line. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Excellent. This is, uh, thanks for coming on. With the, I think this is a hat trick now. I think it's their third time on the show. No, I think it's, it's only the second time I've been on yours. The, really? That, yeah, the, that fight for fighting mod show had me on a few times. Oh, but, wow. uh, Look who I'm so associating good. with. Holy. Well, that's excellent, but uh, I'm going to have you on here, and like I said, we're going to cover the uh, the 2000-2001 uh, British Super League. I guess now, is, now it's called, what, the Elite Hockey League, right? Yeah, the EIHL, the Elite. I- yeah, so now it's, before it was the British BISL. Yeah, two thousand. Uh, yeah, two thousand two to two thousand three was the last year of the uh, ISL, which was uh, the BISL, which was the British International Super League. There we go. Well, and so we're 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 looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to this. Learning a few things. Uh, but first of all, we're going to talk. Of course, two thousand two. We'll get in your time machines, folks. We're going to go back. Take, we're going to put ourselves in the year two thousand here. You know, Y two K didn't end the world. The number one selling album in the UK was won by the Beatles. There was a fuel crisis. Sony released the PlayStation 2. And the Millennium Dome opened, which I believe is now what? The O2 or whatever it's called? Yeah, the O2 Arena. See? I was doing some research about things over there. So there we go. This is our mindset. This is where we are right now for the 2000. Let's get into it here. So it was a, looking it up here, it was a nine-team league. That year, yes. and the Sheffield Steelers were fairly dominant in everything. Well, not fairly, they were dominant. I think they won everything. Yeah. Champion League, the playoffs, the Challenge Cup, the Benson and Hedges Cup. Yeah, cool. they did. But that's, uh, there's kind of another little story there. They, uh, they massively broke the wage cap that year, and uh, there, there was a big uproar about that after. Are you saying there is some skullduggery going on with the, uh, with the, Payroll, oh yeah, m- maybe, but it's British British ice hockey. There's always there's always some school doggery going on. Well, see, and I, I I was sort of reading up on sort of like whatever they called the air quotes the downfall of the league and how things had to change. Basically, from what I understand, with the British Super League, there there really wasn't an import rule. So is that where all the money was going? 
Yeah, the 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 money was huge in uh, in the Super League. The money was massive. I mean, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head now, it, it may have even been 2000, 2001, but Man- there was a year Manchester. The the rumor was Manchester had a million uh, a million pound payroll one season, which I, I can believe. And uh, but yeah, there was no import limits, so it was pretty much all Canadians. Yeah, well, like you're looking here, the number, like we said, the number one team was the Sheffield Steelers. So I'm looking at the roster. Yeah, every guy's Canadian except one. And actually, it was funny. He was their leading Longstaff, David Longstaff from Newcastle, who was the leading scorer on yep. the team, was the only yep. UK player. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then for the, now the elite league now is there, there's obviously an import rule, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, again. I can't give you an exact number. I think I think it's twelve. I think they're allowed twelve imports now. It's it's bounced around and changed so many times over the last few years. But yeah, I think I think now it's stuck at twelve. So you're allowed twelve imports and all the rest have to be British trained. Okay. Well Well that was the thing. So like you said, so now we're we're basically we're throwing money around and uh I was surprised uh, when I asked you to do one of these seasons, uh, season ticket series, um, I told you to pick a year and you were like, this is, this year is unbelievable for, for fights and everything else. And you, you were right involved right in the middle of it. And, uh, yeah. as a fan and I started looking into who was over there and I, I was telling Jay, uh, today, I said the, the one thing with the UK, I mean, I know there's some tough guys over there and everything else. But I said, I, I guess I find that I often have, I've sort of slept on the league. Like, yeah. and, I, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm looking at the pin, like, so right now, I'm looking at the leaders of the league in 2000. And for penalty minutes, it was like Claude Jutra, then they had Nykar, Rob Trombley, Clayton Norris, Trevor Doyle, Scott Allison, Dennis Biel, Frank Evans, Levine, Paxton Schulte. And I mean, you had Morissette over there, you had all these guys over there. And it's like, there were some killers over there. Yeah, and I think to be honest, this was because uh, I mean the the, uh, the Super League came in ninety seven, and there was there was the odd tough guy that came over. I mean, I remember William came over here in ninety seven. He was pretty dominant, but I think to uh, two thousand to two thousand one was the first year where it was real like an arms race with 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 your tough guys. Every team was was pretty stacked. The toughness. Well, and this is the thing. So, of course, in 2000, of course, now we have, you know, we're, we have the internet, we have whatever. So when these guys would sign, like, say, um, well, like a Morissette, when he was going to come over, um, or when these teams would sign, because I guess some of these guys were already over there, but if they'd sign a tough guy, they would obviously, yeah. like, with the, obviously the team would make a big splash about it in the news, I would assume. Um, Or no. Uh, yes and yes and no. Uh, I think it was just kind of expected everybody was going to have a tough guy. But yeah, it's like uh, yeah, like a, a guy with Mar- like Morissette who came with that kind of reputation that that would have been hyped up. Yeah, and it, it was a different era back then. The fans appreciated the tough guys. So if if, if you if, if a team signed Dave Morissette now, all you would get was is whinging about well why do we need a guy with that many penalty minutes but yeah back then the fans understood and they appreciated these guys 
Well, like like you said, there was an interesting there interesting story there with the uh, or of course I guess maybe I'm spoiling the story here because we can get into it later. But just when Scott Allison got suspended, yeah, yeah, I was saying to you before we got on, uh, before we started recording, uh, yeah, after the bench clearance, which uh, we'll get into later on, uh, Allison got a I think he got a 15 game suspension. It was a it was a huge suspension at the time. But the next game, the Sheffield fans had a banner which said, "We support Scott Allison." And uh, but that's back then, the fans got it. The fans knew what was happening. Well, that yeah, okay. Well, before we get into all this, like, okay, so like I said, being the you know we're, most of the listeners over, well, hopefully we have a lot of UK listener. I have a lot of UK listeners over there tuning into this. But for us North American folks over here, that um, you know we're not familiar really with the league and that type of thing. Um, I mean, obviously fans are fans or whatever, but when you would go to the games in, in 2000 here, I know you're in Nottingham, so you'd go to the Nottingham games. Um, like, and you, and I know you, you, you go sparingly these days. Um, what, what are the major differences? The, the major differences between fans now and then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say the fans back then was a lot smarter than your modern day fan uh, trying to think how to explain that but they, 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 they were genuine hockey fans they knew what was happening and they kind of understood every aspect about the game um, do you know what I mean by that they, they just kind of they, they got it they got it so there, there, there was never any complaining about what had happened. Yeah. You, yeah. They, it, it, do, you, do you find they're a little more bloodthirsty back then? Oh, massively, massively, massively. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bloodthirsty is the right word. That's. I say there was a lot more knowledgeable, but uh, they was. But at the same time, yeah, they 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 wanted to see action. Yeah. That's what that's what the fans wanted. They went they went for the for the package. Uh, there there was none of this. Well, that would be classless. Yeah. Back then, they 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 wanted to see action. Yeah. The, the matter what it was, they supported their guy, and how can I put it? Cheating was accepted. If it helps you win, they was happy to see that their team cheat. There you go. Yeah, well, some would say if you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So exactly. Well, as a fan, um, of, like obviously you went to Nottingham. How many of the uh, how many of these arenas have you been to? Like, have you been to Sheffield and Cardiff and all that? Yeah. Uh, so from that year, the only rink I didn't go to was uh, Air, the Centrum in Air, uh, which was in Scotland. That yeah. was the only rink I didn't go to that year. Okay, so what kind of like uh, now? What are we looking at here in terms of like? So, so you go to a Sheffield game. Like, how many? What's the attendance like? What's the what's the seating capacity like in these arenas? Uh, I think Sheffield's like eight thousand. Yeah, honestly, uh, and Sheffield's always been very well attended. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Sheffield played at, at the time it was called the Sheffield Arena, which was a. Uh, it was designed for concerts and stuff like that, so it was uh, it it was like a state of the art arena. It was always nice to go to, 
where I would say like Bracknell. Bracknell played out of a leisure centre. So there was, there was a big difference between Bracknell and Sheffield. Okay, so like you say that, so how many people would be at a Bracknell game? Like what's the attendance there? Uh, I think the capacity at Bracknell was about 3,000. Okay. Now were they the smallest team? Like in terms of attendance and building? Uh, yes, probably. The only other one I'm looking at, which I'm thinking could uh, could be like that, would be Cardiff. And that was uh, Cardiff played at the old, uh, it was called the Ice Arena Wales, which was a great little old school rink. Uh, and I think that probably only had like about a 3,000 capacity too. And and uh, and like, how are these? Like, are are they are now? Like, oh, say like Nottingham, like your home rink there. Like, how, what's that attendance like? Uh, well, Nottingham six and a half thousand. And uh, this year, uh, two thousand two thousand and one was actually the first year Nottingham moved into the NIC, which was their new rink. So previous to that, they played at the old Lower Parliament Street rink, which uh, I loved. It was just it was just a shit old ice stadium. It used to hold about two and a half thousand. So, uh, so this year was the first year of luxury where they actually had a nice arena rink. And were they selling out? Uh, no, Sheffield. They'd always sell out against Sheffield, but apart from that, no. You'd pro- they'd probably average three and a half to four thousand a game. Okay. Yeah, I'm just sort of like so. Basically, it's kind of um, you know, because like for people listening that are like more you know more into NHL or whatever, I mean. Obviously, we're not talking 20,000-seat arenas or anything. I mean, we're not talking Air Canada Centre or anything. These are sort of... It's, I, I'm sort of a... Sort of, I guess, it's, uh, it's sort of East Coast League-ish in size, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, that year, Manchester played at the old MEN uh, Arena, which uh, that was like 18,000. Oh, well, that helped. So, I know, I know they, they did sell it out a couple of times, but there was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of promotions and complimentaries going on to do that, but uh, but yeah, your normal average hockey crowd, they, they was probably getting four thousand. Okay, how did London do? London, they played at the Docklands Arena. Uh, I would say London probably got two and a, two and a half thousand a game, and it's always been a struggle with London teams that the, there's so much to do in London. So it's difficult to try and promote an ice hockey team, but it's but it's not really a big sport over here. It's always been a problem to uh, to market it. Yeah, like I can't remember who I had on, but I remember them talking about with London. The biggest problem too was cost. It's just so expensive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, the Docklands would have been easy to get to, but it would have been it w- it would have been a pain. Traveling to, if you live anywhere out of central London, you, you're going to have to get two or three tubes or buses to get there. Okay, well there we go. Like, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get a feel. Okay, these are what the rinks are like, and okay, so the fans and stuff. All right. Um, well, like I said, we'll get into it. We'll go. We'll go through some of the rosters here, and we'll just talk about some of the guys, and and uh, you know, if there's stories that come up and what have you, we'll we'll talk about that. But so, like I said, well, at the start of the year, so or. For this year, um, like I read off the penalty minute, guys. So, I mean, for points, there's an interesting name that comes up I want to talk to you about here. But uh, Greg Bullock from Manchester led the league in scoring with 60 points. 
And, um, oh, and I guess I should say that's in 48 games. It's a 48 game schedule. And, uh, then Corey Carlander and then tied for with him with an air was Tony hand. Yeah. Now I have heard Tony hand is often referred to as the, as the UK Gretzky. And, <laughs> well, and he was actually drafted by the Oilers back in 86 and he only, and he, I know he briefly went over there, but there has been, uh, people look up Tony hand. If you go and look at his numbers that he put up on hockey DB, yeah, he had a couple 200 point seasons and everything yeah. else. And, uh, Tony Han came back home pretty early after he was drafted that year, and it's 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 regularly talked about uh, if Tony Han has stuck it out in North America, how far he could have actually gone. Well, it's interesting because in ju- he tried to play junior. He went over to the Western Hockey League and he played for the Victoria Cougars, and he plays three games, gets four goals, four assists, and and calls it a day and heads home. <laughs> yeah, you know. Tony Han wasn't made to play in the Western League in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, like what? Like, is he legit? Like, like I've never laid eyes on this guy. I have no idea. Yeah, like, yeah he, he, he's quite small. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine Tony Han liking the physicality that would have came that in that era in the Western League. I, I can't imagine him liking that. But yeah, it's just like you look at his stats, it's like, I'm, you know, and I mean, obviously this is sort of, you know, it's the British Hockey League. This is before, you know, all the imports and everything were coming over. But still, like 35 games, 105 goals, 111 assists, 216 points. That cracks me up. In 30, 216 points in 35 games. That's pretty funny. Yeah. What, what year did he, what year was that? What year did he write that one? 86, 87. With the Murfield yeah. ra- with the Murfield Racers, yeah. See, see, back then there was a, it was, it was all, it was all lo- local British talent. Uh, I think teams was allowed two or three imports, yeah. and uh, your imports would play sixty minutes a game. L- literally, the, there would be no line changes. The imports would play the whole game. Yeah. So, yeah, the yeah, the the standard was was pretty terrible back then. Oh yeah, so, like you know, that's, that's not a knock on what Tony Han did. He was he was a phenomenal player. Yeah, no, it was just yeah, it was just an interesting name that came up. And I know there's some. I read a few. It's not recently, but I remember reading the article from Edmonton because again, it's 1986 when they took him, right? So it was like right in the height of you know they're still in their kind of their dynasty years. Gretzky and them are still there, and then it's like and here's this Tony Hand, and it would have been uh, it would have been really interesting if he had stuck around. Yeah, I mean to- Tony Hand is really, uh, really anti-fighting. I mean he was a- he was a coach through the mid two thousands in the elite league, and uh, one of my friends actually played for Tony Hand, and uh, he told me, yeah, he, d- he doesn't like the fights. But what was all- what always amazed me was Tony Hand would always sign a big name tough guy, but he'd keep them handy, uh, he'd keep them handcuffed through the whole year. He wouldn't let them do anything. But he would always have that big, big name guy on his roster. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, um, okay. Well, let's get into it here. With you have the Sheffield Steelers now. Um, the one thing that I've never understood with the UK hockey, and I'm gonna before before well, I keep saying before we get into the rosters here. But like I said, Sheffield won everything that you could possibly win. But it was the 
Champion League, playoffs, the Challenge Cup, and the Benson and Hedges Cup. What are we talking about? What is all this? What does this mean? Because most people I know, they play the regular season, then they have the playoffs, and you win the cup. That's every league that I know about. What are all these other things that we're talking about here? So, so you, you say the Champion League, that's got me a little stumped. Uh, I don't know what that is. But, uh, yeah, the Benson Hedges Cup, the, 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 we would have these competitions. And uh, the Benson Hedges Cup would always start at the very start of the season. Uh, and the, the first few games in that would all, would always be kind of like challenge games, like uh, like preseason games. But you'd you'd play these games, and then the winner would get so many points, and you'd be in like a little little table. And then when it comes to the quarterfinal point, whoever's at the top of these tables would move on to the quarterfinals, and then those teams would play the quarterfinals, and then. Uh, Come November time, there'd be the semi-finals, and then come December, you'd have the final, which uh, would be played at Sheffield, and then it was just a, it was like an early season trophy, so that was something to play for there, and then it was kind of the same with the Challenge Cup, uh, same scenario. Uh, so sometimes a league game would be a league and Benson Cup or league and Challenge Cup, so the points would count double, and then again. You'd go through until you got to a quarterfinal, and then the quarterfinal game would be played, and then you'd get the final. But uh, memory serves me correct, it'll be January or February time when the uh, Challenge Cup final would be. So basically, what this all comes down to is this is just an excuse for the owners to get more games and more gate revenue. Yes. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Because, I mean, at the end of this thing, it's like the playoff, like play the regular season and then into the playoffs and you win. That's what you're playing for. Like, yeah. that's what, like, if the fans are like, does anybody give a shit that they won the Benson and Hedges challenge? Like, does fan bases brag about that? Well, the guys took it seriously. Um, oh, there you go. Well, if the players are taking it serious. The fan base has wanted that. Yeah. It, it's like the playoffs over here. Um me personally, I'd like to see the playoffs go to a best of series, like like in North America. And I imagine it's difficult for the players, uh, the North American players, when that's what they're used to. But the playoffs uh, scenario over here is um, you you qualify on a league position, obviously. But the main trophy to win in this country is the league. So finishing finishing top of the league is the big thing to aim for. Uh, and then the playoffs. So you get your seeding. So say eight teams, and then you'll go. You'll, there'll be the quarterfinals, and you'll do. Uh, it'll be a home home and road scenario over two games. Who who wins those games on aggregate then goes to the semifinals, which is the uh, playoff finals weekend, which is held at Nottingham, and the Saturday. Uh, the semi-finals, the semi-finals are on the Saturday, and it's not a best of or anything. It's just it's that one game. So the winner of that game then goes to the playoff finals, and then the Sunday again, it's one game. Who wins that game? It's the playoff champions. Huh. So it's very much like college. It's one game and you're done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not very much. It is like college. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, they should. Yeah, a series would make much more sense. But all right. Now, like, why don't they do series? 
Like, is it a travel thing? Is it a money thing? I, I think it's just like, I think it's just your rinks. Uh, like, because uh, obviously at the top level, they're all arena teams. So the arenas, you've got concerts mm-hmm. and everything going on. It's Everything's pre-booked a year in advance. I don't think the teams are in a position where they can just say, can you keep these five dates free just in case? Yeah, well, that's I guess, I, yeah, I guess as we're sitting there talking, I mean, in terms of hockey standing in the UK, I mean, you think of the UK, it's soccer, you know, whatever, cricket yeah. and rugby and all that stuff. But yeah. um, where does where is hockey standing in in even like right now? We won't talk about 2000, 2001, because it's probably obviously less than it is now. But right now, in, in 2022, what's the standing of ice hockey in the UK in terms oh, of popularity? Always, it's always been the same. Nobody gives a shit about hockey over here. Okay, well... Nobody, nobody gives a shit about hockey over here. It, it's, it's very much a, a minor niche sport. Well, there so, you yeah. go. Well, there's your answer, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just answer, nobody gives a shit about hockey over here. Okay. Outside of the people that attend the games, that's about it. It doesn't go much further than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You uh, and that's where they always, everybody talks about TV deals and stuff. And uh we get games on TV and it's the channel called Free Sports and Premier Sports. Obviously Free Sports is free, but Premier Sports is a subscription. But it's very much minor and it's you hear the hockey fans over here, push like, well, why can't we do it anymore? Why can't we do it anymore? Because nobody cares. That that's that's they're at their limits. It's not going to get any bigger. It's it's one of those. Football, cricket, rugby—they're your big sports. Apart from that, nobody gives a shit. Okay, now if you wanted to, like, is there like I know at the NH here in in you know obviously in North America, there's the center ice package. Is there anything like that for the elite league? Oh yeah, pretty much every team apart from well Nottingham started doing it this year, but I think it's just uh, it, it's it's after the pandemic they're trying to trying to claw back any money they can. But yeah, every team apart from Guildford, Brayhead, uh well Glasgow now, uh and Nottingham, they do a webcast so you can always you can always pay per view the games and you'll get the game streamed. You mean there's teams that still don't do that? Yeah, Nottingham, Glasgow, and Guildford. Yeesh. Yeah. Okay. The the Nottingham owner, who uh, also owns Glasgow, he said um, he doesn't want to do it because it will affect attendances. So he doesn't want to doesn't want to give that option. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. He's the he's the Wurtz, the Chicago guy there that used to say that in years for Chicago blackout games and stuff. Yeah, it hurt attendance. But, but UK hockey, it, it's it's such a jobs for the boys club. It's it's fucking it. I can't explain it. It's uh, it's so at times it's so backward. It's unreal. Well, we'll 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 try we'll attempt to uh, describe it here as we go on. Well, first things first, I mean, they're the champs here, so we'll look at the Sheffield Steelers. Um, as I said, uh, yeah, we were, well, initially, like we were talking, right, they're all uh, all Canadian players except for the leading scorer who was from Newcastle, David Longstaff. But um, just going down the, the list here, I mean, like I said, I can remember these names from the Western League and the Ontario League, and um, 
I mean, we'll, you know, obviously being the enforcer based podcasting. So let, let's talk tough guys first. Um, there's a few on this team and, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll start with the kingpin, uh, Dennis VL. Yeah. What, what can we say about Dennis VL? He, he was the toughest guy in the league, in the, in the league the whole time he played here. Um, took on everybody. Yeah, he, he was captain. captain when he was there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what more we can say. Um, well, yeah, well, like I said, right? He's he's thirty one years old at this point. He played forty all. Uh, he played forty two games. Had one hundred and seventy one penalty minutes. Sixteen fights. Yeah. I mean, uh, he seemed to have a bit of a rivalry there with Nikar. They fought four times, yeah. and um, yeah. that that well. Nottingham Sheffield, the rivalry was massive that season, and um, that all started. There was a preseason game. Nottingham played Sheffield, and Nikar high sticked Vial and cut him pretty good. And they fought after that, and then uh, Nottingham played Sheffield early on. So it was, uh, it was in the first week of the season starting. So it was after the preseason. So, uh, yeah, VL wanted revenge there. And, uh, yeah, early doors that game, Nikov fought VL again. Yeah, no, and it was, and, uh, yeah, well, like you said, Nikar a few times. Um, kind of got caught by Mike Ware, I read, TKO. Oh, yeah, VL got dropped by Ware. Um, yeah, there was, yeah, the, the game in Sheffield, where, yeah, Ware caught him. And that's actually a funny story I think I told you before. But uh, Steve Carpenter, who was uh, Dennis VL's D partner that year, it was uh, of, of the old school concussion protocol. And uh, they had the doctor would come and ask ask a few questions. And um, VL nudged Carpenter and said, remember these answers because I'm fucking going back out there. <laughs> so, but yeah, VL thought... VL fought where again later that season? That was an absolute war. Great fight. Yeah, when he had fight Ferone and Rob Tremblay and um, mm. Allison and uh, Met Scott Met. Well, and there's another guy on the team. Uh, or you have Scott Allison and Scott Metcalf as well. Not only just VL, yeah. but um, and Scott Allison, of course. Uh, you know, um, I, I was familiar with him playing over here in the Western League with the, in Prince Albert and Moose Jaw. And yeah, first round pick by the Oilers, and uh, yeah, a solid Alice player. Oilers, one one of the biggest busts in the, in draft pick history, which I think I think is a shame because Allison was a great talent. Scott Allison was a great talent. He was a great player. He was, and he was really solid player, big dude. And um, I'm trying to think who I had on that played against him. And he, and he played in the jun- played junior against them, then played pro against them, and he in the in the American League might have been Kovacs. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I think it was Frank Kovacs. But um, and like he said, the thing with Alice, it wasn't that he wasn't talented enough. He goes, I think he was just one of those guys that was just caught in between and wasn't quite yeah. sure. Like, am I a scorer or am I going to be a fighter? And yeah, because he, he was always physical and he was a big guy as well. Yeah, at that size. Yeah. But yeah, and like you said, right, solid player over there. And like this year that we're talking about, you know, 39 games, again, 23 points, um, 197 minutes. Um, 
Yeah. And it's, Scotty Allison backed down from nobody either. He, he, would, he would fight the heavyweights when it came to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, well, like I mentioned, Scott Metcalf, who, uh, for the American listeners out there, uh, you know, played, played many years at the Rochester Americans. So uh, you'll know him from that. And, uh, again, another guy won't back down. Metcalf, I remember Metcalf fought Nyko the, the game after the preseason game um, in Sheffield. Yeah, Nyko fought Vial that game. Then he fought Metcalf later. And then uh, Eric Levine from last game, he fought, uh, he fought Dennis Vial later on in that game too. Yeah, and then, oh, I see old uh, Dale Craigwell was on the team. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. of course, you know, he... He, uh, he was Jose, wasn't he, in the NHL? He was, yeah, yeah, and he played on those uh, Oshawa general teams with Eric Lindros, and uh, um, yeah, he was a San Jose pick. Yeah, he did play in the NHL for a little while. So you mentioned you mentioned Lindros, another name on the on the Caesars roster that year, Jason Weaver. He was on a line with Lindros in the OHL. You're, you're reading my notes here. That was the next name I'm bringing up. Yes, um, yeah, man. They, uh, but that we- Weaver was tough too. Weaver was tough. He could fight. See, and this is where, and this is probably why, like you were saying, right? This is probably why Sheffield finished first, right? Because not only you have Weaver and guys like and Scott Allison and guys like that and, and Metcalf, well, they're all putting up, you know, almost a point a game. But yet, you know, they could obviously fight and take care of themselves. And then if it really got out of hand, you got VL sitting there. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm a, I remember uh, we were fighting Daniel Lacroix. Daniel Lacroix played for the Flyers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember we were fighting him one night. Weaver didn't, Weaver didn't win, but to have that, that skill guy who can step up and fight a guy like Daniel Lacroix, that, that is a game changer. Well, yeah, exactly. Like when you're, like, yeah, when you're in, any, in yeah, in any league, right? When you're, uh, uh, when you, when your skilled guy, or when your tough guy can play a regular shift and is a skill and like and p- can put up points, I mean, it's, it's such a benefit, right? I mean, obviously, well, obviously, I'm sort of you know, clearly you get a power forward type. I mean, yeah, they're worth their weight in gold for sure. See, that's a, that's that's one thing you always found over here because we there was always quite short benches, so your tough guy would have a regular shift. Yeah, so like okay, so like you're saying, right? You go to a Sheffield game, you're seeing VL all the time. Like he's not just sitting at the end of the bench. Yeah, yeah, v, yeah. VL was would would always be either your first or second D pick. He'd always be on that. Well, there we go. So that's just like more opportunity for shit to hit the fan. Yeah. I've said it before with the Super League. There was some guys who came over and treated it like holiday camp. That was not Dennis Vial. Danny Vial fucking, he fought everybody. Well, yeah. And like you said, right? And there's a few guys over here that, yeah, they might have come for a good time, but uh, there was some dudes. Yeah, they they obviously they came over and they took shit serious, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get into them. But as from a Sheffield Steelers standpoint, if you're a Steelers fan, who's like your number one rival? Nottingham. Okay. Nottingham, definitely. Um, and there, there was a bunch of shit went down that year between Sheffield and Nottingham too. 
So starting with that first preseason game when Nike high-sticked Real, um, and they fought after that. Then the next game, like I was saying, uh, Nikar fought Vial again, then Nikar fought Metcalf, and Eric Levine fought Vial later on, which uh, I actually find quite a funny story. Uh, I've got a book here called The Toughest Job in the League, and it's it's just a bunch of interviews with guys who was in the league that year at the end of the season. And uh, Levine was a late signing, and uh, he flew in, and uh, he flew in the day he was playing Sheffield in Sheffield. His his kit got held up, but they asked him to play anyway. So he borrowed a pair of skates. He sat on the bench all game, and uh, Alex Dampier, who was the Panthers coach at the time, he put Levine out with 45 seconds left in the game. And there's a quote. There's a quote in this book, and uh, Levine says. Coach Damps put me out there. He told me not to fight, just to try and find my feet and have a little skate. But anyway, somehow I ended up getting into it with Denny Viel. And I, I absolutely love that. So, yeah, so yeah, Levine ended up fighting Dennis Viel that game. Well, there, yeah, well, that's funny. Well, I mean, we'll get into Nottingham, but I mean, one of the names, obviously, that you've brought up a couple times now is Nightcar, Barry Nightcar, yeah. who... Um, you know, he, uh, he bounced around. He played, uh, in the, uh, uh, American Hockey League, the IHL East Coast League, you know, put up 490 minutes the one year in the American League with, uh, St. John's Flames. Um, did, did have some NHL time with Anaheim. Um, now what, there, I, I've heard different stories about Nightcar. What's Nightcar like here? Start again, sorry. I've heard different stories about. I mean, I I'm just saying for the listeners, Nikar was always starting shit. Yeah, I, I I'm the biggest Nikar fan you'll ever meet. But I, I, I'll tell you the truth, Nikar was cheap as shit. He was <laughs> cheap, but Nikar would back it up. That was that was the thing. He he was cheap, but he'd back it up. And uh, I know we're talking about Sheffield, and you say I keep. I mentioned Nikar. It's hard not to talk about Nottingham when we're talking about Sheffield because that was the biggest rivals that year, well, every year. Um, but there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of shit went down that year between Nottingham and Sheffield. So it's it's hard not to mention that. But yeah, no. Back to Nikar. Yeah, no. He he did. He didn't have. He didn't have a lot of respect around the league. There's a lot of guys who didn't like him. Well, and like you said, though, yeah, I mean, he had the 12 fights, you know, four against VL, Metcalf, Lacroix, Trevor Doyle, Ferrone, Allison. So, I mean, he's not picking spots. I mean, he's taking on no. anybody. Oh, yeah, no, Nike would fight anybody. Anybody. I mean, you, you talk about his NHL time when the, uh, he he had a call up to Calgary and the one game he played, he fought Tony Twist twice. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he well, he lost both fights, but it takes something to go out there and fight, don't you, to his? Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing, Nightcar's a big dude, and I mean, you know, like you said, he wouldn't back down, but uh, yeah, he was certainly uh, not above instigating things. No. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no yeah, Nightcar was, yeah, Nightcar was very, very dirty. 
very dirty. Well, we'll go. Uh, well, we'll go down the. Uh, we'll go down the stand. We'll go by standings here. So obviously we had the Sheffield. So the next team, of course, was the Cardiff Devils, and um, you know uh, we got Clayton. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, we got uh, Clayton Chuck Norris from the uh, the old Medicine Hat Tiger days that I know him from, and of course you have uh, Mike Ware, uh, Frank Evans, who played on the Memorial Cup winning Spokane Chiefs with Toporowski. And, Craig, uh, Craig Evans, yeah, yeah, he has a he has a crazy Frank Evans. He has a big reputation in the UK. Well, at least back then, every, everybody knew Frank Evans. He was. Really, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, if, if if you spoke to any fan back then and mentioned the name Frank Evans, they would always they would always say crazy Frank Evans. Uh, yeah, he was he was looked at as a killer. Like in terms of like an actual fighting ability, or he was just like he'd take a stick to you, or like what? I, th- I think it's just because uh, everybody has seen him at least fight somebody from their team. Obviously, if we're talking fight ability, Frank Evans is is your middleweight guy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think back then, from with the fans, everybody just knows Frank Evans from he he's done something stupid when you've watched him play. Yeah, I mean he he was a fairly he was a tough dude though. Um, like oh I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like fighting like I said with Spokane there with Toporowski and them and. You know, he played in the minors for a little while in the IHL and stuff with the Las Vegas Thunder. I mean, that's where I see some of his fights with the Thunder. Um, I was surprised. I didn't realize he played over in the UK for as long as he did. Yeah, yeah, he was here. For, yeah, yeah, he had a big stint over here. Yeah, I mean, he was almost over there for a decade, right? And it was like with Fife and Cardiff and Nottingham the one year. And, uh, yeah, he is a... Uh, He's a journeyman mechanic now for the city of Calgary, <laughs> if anyone's interested. Yes. Uh, is he really? He is, yes. Um, but yeah, Frank Evans and, uh, well, and then Mike Ware. There was another guy we had talked about and his fighting with yeah. VL, dropping VL that year. Yeah, and and that was, I, I, I can't think of VL ever getting dropped apart from that fight with Mike Ware. Yeah, well, and and we're such a big dude too, man. Like, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah my... Another Edmonton Oilers draft pick, huh? Well, yeah. Back, back to back to Scarlison. Were you uh, were you, you saying a great Scarlison story? I I always love, but it's maybe not a Scarlison story, a Link Gate story. But it was uh, the Cape Breton days when Allison was the number one pick. Yep. And he was in the minors there. And uh, the story goes that Link Gates punched Scott Allison on the on the team bus because he thought Allison was cheating at cards. And then Dennis Bomby fought Link Gates in the car park after because he just punched the number one pick. There you go. Yeah. Well, and that's a fantastic story. That is a fantastic <laughs> story. Yeah. Well, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I've heard it so many times. I hope it's true. Oh, I would think no fucking with Link Gates and stuff. I would think that's probably true. Yeah, that does not seem. When you tell me that story, I'm not. Oh, really? No, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that Bonvi and Gates doing that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But the big question there is, why the fuck is the rookie playing cards with Link Gates on the bus anyway? Surely somebody should have told him this ain't a good idea. 
Well, I was going to say, first round pick, though, he's the bonus baby, right? So he's the one with all yeah. the money, probably. Yeah. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. 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 Link saw the dollar signs there and he was taking advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while on Cardiff that year, I noticed there's a name, Kip Noble. I want to say that that guy was the college player of the year one year, I want to say. Yeah, well, Kip, yeah, Kip Noble, he had a lane Sheffield as well. Very good player. Yeah. Very, very good player. Our, uh, going back years before this, I always say that this is how much the game has changed. You'd see star players fight. I remember Mark Colesaw, who played for the Panthers, he fought Kip Noble in Nottingham one night. And I just think that's a big change in the game where you'd see the star players actually fight each other. Yeah, well, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, yeah, it didn't become so designated yet. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was completely off track. It just popped into my head when you said Kip Noble there. Well, hey, we're, I'm throwing names at you here. We're just going to go. But uh, like you said, right at the start here, when I when, when I mentioned Cardiff was, of course, uh, you know, Clayton Norris. And, um, you know, I, saw, I, I got to watch him in the Western League with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Um, massive rep in the Western League. And, of course, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers, your team, the Flyers, and yeah. uh, played some years in Hershey and then went over to the IHL for a little while and then uh, finished out his career with three seasons over in the U.K. Um, yeah, Clayton was a bad dude. Bad dude. Yeah, well, I was going to say, this year with the, with Cardiff, um, you know, he fought Trevor Doyle a few times. I know he fought Morissette. Yeah, he um, fought Morissette twice, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like overall, what were your impressions of Clayton Norris over there? I thought Clayton Norris was pretty ruthless. He was because uh, obviously I spoke to you about this before. When Clayton Norris was in the UK, he was a D man, but I believe when he was in the Western League, he was a he was a winger. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. But no, he was he was just your typical no nonsense old school D man. Yeah, he was just horrible to play against. That's that's the way he came. He, he was physical. He was nasty. He was awesome. He, he was everything the game misses now. Yeah. Well, a name I didn't actually notice when I was first kind of going through the rosters when we were kind of talking about this season um, was Denny Chassé. I just noticed him now. Oh, yeah, Denny, Denny Chassé. Uh, yeah, Denny Chassé was here, here for a few years. He played in Bracknell for a few years, too. Yep. And look, a skill guy. He was a good player. Did he used to fight when, uh, when you, from when you've known him? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I mean, he was a little greasy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at his stats now. He had 250 minutes, 240 minutes in Halifax, the American League. I mean, you know, he played in St. Louis for a few years, had 133 minutes, 108 minutes. Like, yeah, he'd get, he'd mix it up. I mean, uh, see, the whole time in the UK, I always look, I, I always thought of Dennis Chasse as a as a skill guy. So I, I don't remember fighting over here at all. Well, fuck but there, you, we we had a few guys come over like that who who used to do it, but now they're, they're here to play. But they they didn't want they didn't want that side of the game. Well, this is one of those guys, you know. As we look it up, two thousand was his was his final year in hockey. He retired after this year, so I mean, I'm sure he probably, yeah, obviously he stopped fighting at that point. But, but, uh, but even and another guy that I want to ask you about that I'm, um, 
you know, and he played over there for a, for a while, and then of course again he actually ended up in the in the LNAH was Ian McIntyre. Ian McIntyre was tough as shit. Um, yeah, I, I remember. It, it's not this year, but I, I remember Ian McIntyre. Darcy Lowen hit him bad one game, and uh, he went off injured. And then uh, the following weekend, it was when uh, I want to. No, uh, I want. I'm trying to think who it was now, but yeah, no, McIntyre was tough as shit. Uh, I'm trying to think who he fought that the, the following week. The, the names escaping me, but no, McIntyre fought everybody, and uh, when he fought the heavyweights, he never really looked out of place either. Well, yeah, and it's interesting, man. Like you just look at that that Cardiff team that year, man. You had McIntyre, Frank Evans, Norris, Mike Ware. A pretty tough squad. That's a tough yeah. squad in any league. Yeah. Dude, every, if, if you go through every single roster from well, this year... Apart we're going to Bracknell... go through every roster. Yeah, yeah no, I'm excited. But no, every team was tough. Every team was tough. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Like I said, it was... Um... Well, and like we said, it read, I was saying it read at the, at the at the start at the start of the show here. It was um, I'm I'm I'm, and I think a lot of people are are like this, especially. Well, I mean, I always sort of view it like as a, as fight fans, like even back on the fight message board. I mean, I know you and and Paul and guys like that that were that are over in the UK. I mean, you were got you guys were keeping us informed of what was going on, and uh, yeah, and I mean, like I said, you were throwing out names like Clayton Norris and. I'm like, holy shit, the guy from the dub, like, you know, because, yeah. you know, and and it, so, I, and like I said, I, I never really paid much attention to the league, but uh, going back, like I said, when we were going to do this show and, and I, and I go through Paul's uh, tremendous UK super fights channel is awesome. He's got everything on there. Um, man. We, we mentioned Paul, we're, we're going to talk about this incident later, but we mentioned Paul, anybody listening who wants to check out anything that happened back then. If you watch the uh, Sheffield-Manchester brawl, behind the net, there's a young young dog-haired kid kid behind the net. He's throwing his fists around in the air, going absolutely insane. That's a a young Paul who runs Hockey Fights UK. There you go. And Hockey Hockey Fights UK (laughs) is your number one and only source, I'm telling you, for fights over in the UK. Uh, And, uh, I, I've, I've said this, I've said this on this episode or not this, but on this show a bunch of times, um, as fight fans and especially UK fight fans, because this is part of the UK hockey fight history. Um, you guys are very lucky. You have someone as dedicated as Paul to, to, yeah. to, to track this stuff and record this stuff and shake the bushes to get this footage and put it out there. Cause if it wasn't for him, I don't know how much of this stuff would be gone. Yeah, we we are so lucky. Honestly, anything that is in the public domain or has been available since since forever with the UK scene, Paul has. Yeah, he's put it. The stuff that he tracks down, the work that he puts in to track this shit down, is unreal. Yeah, and I've and to, well, to go off of this completely right now, but with just with the, and I think a lot of times, and again, and it's something. I've harped on before, but, um, and I think, and it's too bad 
But I think when people go to YouTube now, they don't understand. And I, mean, I was going to say the younger people, but really it's it's everybody. I mean, they just, oh, they're sitting here and they're listening to us talk about Dennis Vial. Oh, so type in Dennis Vial. Oh, look. Well, that shit just didn't fall out of the sky. Someone yeah. like Paul had to go and collect that footage, then upload it to YouTube for everybody to see. And I think it often gets overlooked. People just take the shit for granted. Like it just appeared on the internet one day for everyone to see. And it's, um, and it is guys like Paul that have taken the time to track this stuff down that as fight fans, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to. Yeah. In the mid two thousands, nobody in the UK really cared about the fights. They enjoyed watching them, but nobody was trying to collect that stuff. Yeah. 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 It took, took some tracking down. Yeah, and see, and that's and again, like you said, it, it, it's it, like, it's, like the hockey fight hobby is a niche hobby to begin with. Let alone now, when you're over in the UK trying to do it. Yeah, like I mean, at least over here in North America, whatever. There's a bunch of us, and we can kind of help each other out and send each other stuff. And there's at least more than a few of us doing it, right? Well, there's entire fight message boards of guys doing it. You know, ninety five percent of the fight boards are on or from North America. Well, maybe not that many, but you know what I'm saying. Where, yeah. and there's Paul, you know, and I'm, I don't know how many guys in the UK, I don't want to say it was just him doing it, but I'm sure I could probably count on one hand how many people were collecting fights over in the UK at that time period. Yeah, there, there, there wasn't many, but that's, it's funny, that's how me and Paul got to know each other was through the fights, because I knew the guy who filmed the games for the Panthers, so I could get the Panthers fights. And that's how, that's actually how we, we met. How forthcoming were they with footage? Like, how was it pretty easy for you to get it from them? Or did they kind of really, don't be giving this to anybody? Like, were they really on you? No, no. When, 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 I, when I actually got to know the guy who did them, it was fine. But that was because at the time I was collecting fight tapes too. So I, he would always just say, oh, what, what have you got? So I would give him a fight tape and then he'd give me any Panther stuff I needed to so it was actually really easy, Panthers-wise. There you go. Um, well, yeah, and like I said, well, we'll get back on track here. But, yeah, that's um, – Yes. Well, and I know – yeah, well, I know trying to trade with you guys back in the day was uh, was a bitch because of the format. It was a different – Yeah, NTSC and Pal. Yeah. Nobody – nobody – the old fried chicken days. I used to get so much stuff then, but it used to cost me an absolute fortune. Because nobody wanted, nobody would take PAL stuff. So I used to have to, everybody would say, oh, it's trade only. I don't sell tapes. But if you emailed them, they'd sell them. But they'd probably say $15 per tape. Yep. So four tapes, that's $60. Yep. Plus getting shipped to the UK, you're probably talking another $30 on top of that. So yeah, it used to cost a fortune getting the tapes. Yeah, no, why exactly? Yeah, this is an expensive hobby, folks. I can tell you so. But uh, well, we'll get back at it here. But the the Bracknell Bees are the next team we're going to look at, and it. Uh, um, one, yeah, one the, is, the Bracknell coach did not like fighting. Really? Yeah, that was that was always a big complaint. Uh, 
that was that was a big complaint from the fans at the time, which was a uh, heaven forbid somebody's going to fight in this game. Well, yeah. Well, well, one it's interesting because one of the names on that team, and he only played eleven games, had three goals in sixty three minutes, and I believe he had three fights. Uh, was Brad yeah. Wingfeld? Yeah, uh, Brad Brad Wingfeld was brought in mid season because uh, they start. Yeah, Brad will start the year, and they was getting really, really pushed around, and the fans wasn't happy about it. And um, I think it was like a knee a knee jerk reaction. They just they brought Wingfield in just to try and shut the fans up, uh, shut the complaints up. But yeah, he did. Uh, he didn't last long, and then he he went back to uh, back to North America. But he made an impact while he was here. Well, and I had, and for those listening, if you're listening for the first time or what have you, I have a full length interview with Brad Wingfeld that you should definitely check out because it's it's a tremendous. Brad was a tremendous interview, and he did not hold back. And this was before the Danbury documentary and everything else. So uh, he tells a lot of stories. And but for the life of me, and we talked about his time in the UK, but I can't remember why he left. I do you remember why he left? I can't remember. Did he not? Did he, I think was it the coach that he was just like? I can't remember. No, I can't. I no, I, it's it's not ringing any bells. Why? But I remember hearing it when you when you did the episode with him. And again, he said he fought a bunch over here. That there's no footage of him fighting. I don't. I, I'm not saying it didn't happen because you can see with the pims total. But I honestly, I don't even know from uh, reports and stuff who he fought over here. Which is, that's a shame. Oh wow! <laughs> Darren's got you covered. I know exactly who he fought. Uh, oh, here we go. Here he we had go. 11 games. He had four fights. Um, yeah. Is it Chris Crombie? Crombie. Yeah, Chris Crombie. In an interleague game, he fought him. That was his first fight. Then he fought <laughs> Louis. He fought I imagine he fucking shit kicked Chris Crombie. <laughs> well, and then he fought Louis Bedard. Yeah. Daniel Lacroix and Eric Levine were the four fights that he had. Yeah. My, you... my boy, Eric Levine. I fucking love Eric Levine. There you go. And uh, I would love to see Winger and Bedard. I would love to see that fight. Yes. Yeah. Because um, I, tell you, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably talk about it more earlier, but I'd, uh, later on, I tell you a fight that uh, with Bedard. I tell you a fight like when he fought Dougie Dool. Mm-hmm. Was really well in that fight. Bedard was fucking super tough. Love Louis Bedard. Louis Bedard yeah. is one of those guys that completely goes under the radar. I think. I think even with Quebec fans, I think he goes under the radar. I remember when a few months ago, when I did that fan voting of the top ten in the LNAH of all time. Yeah. Um. I I think Bedard was on it. I think he made the list, but I was surprised by the number of people that didn't have him on their list. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think many fans ever looked at him as like your number one guy. Yeah, and it's like, and I mean, you know, with Varhog and then there, I get it, and you know, and he, you know. But I think you and he, I think maybe he was there for so long they sort of took it for granted. But it's like the dude had three hundred fights in the LNAH. Like, yeah. and you go back and you watch some of his East Coast League stuff or 
or or like we said, the UK stuff. Unbelievable. And like just toe to toe. Yeah, like like you say, the the fight head over here with Doug Dool. Yeah. But they they go toe to toe. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not scoring the one on the takedown, but they go toe-to-toe, then uh, Bedard takes him down. But yeah, he looks good on that. He looks really good on that fight. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and he, you know, Nykar is Schulte and Ferone. He had great fights with Paul Ferone. And yeah, like Bedard was... I love Louis Bedard. He was awesome. Um, but a name that I wanted to bring up to you that's on this list, and... Uh, and again, he was an uh, early 90s OHL guy. I'd have to talk to Pat Barton about him, actually. But I don't remember. I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I've ever. I mean, I shouldn't say I've never seen him fight. Obviously, I've seen some of the UK stuff. But Darren Hurley. Yeah, da- Darren Hurley was super tough. Super tough. And he was always kind of your number two guy. So it wasn't expected out of him. But Darren Hurley would fight the heavyweights. And he never looked bad when he did. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I can't give enough praise to Darren Hurley. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it was one of those guys. Like when I when I was kind of going through all the old drop your glove stuff, I mean Hurley's name appeared. Like I couldn't get his card to come up, but his name was appearing on a lot of people's cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fought everybody. Well, I know he fought Bedard too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he fought Bedard twice, and uh, Bedard was pissed after round one. I don't. I don't really know why uh, the cam the camera gets back there late. So I don't know if Hurley jumped him or something to start the fight. But yeah, at the end, Bedard is fucking fuming, and there, there's there's a lot of pointing and a lot of shouting. And then uh, and then next game they went again. So there was there was obviously a score to settle for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't know why Bedard was so angry after that first fight. Well, I know a guy that was playing over there in Bracknell. I, I noticed he was uh, when I was going like again when I was going through the rosters the other night um, for the for my WHL junior fans out there. Uh, Blake Knox was over there. Yeah. Blake Knox. That's uh, we mentioned Jason Weaver earlier uh, when Jason Weaver first came to the UK. His first game in Nottingham was a Tuesday night game against Bracknell. He fought Blake Knox after he scored a goal. There you go. Yeah, Blake Knox put up some uh, bi- some big points and uh, some penalty minutes in the in the Western League. And not a real big guy; he's pretty small. But uh, yeah, he had yeah, a, he, he had a pretty solid career over there. He was, he was over a there. shit over here who could fight. Yeah, well, he had a pretty solid career over there. You know, he played uh, you know uh, seven seasons, and you know. Uh, you know, 30-some points every year, and, uh, yeah. yeah, solid player. But, yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, there's an old Western League guy. I used to watch him play the Blades all the time. Um, but Bracknell, I think this was their last year in the league, was it not? No, 2003 was the last year in the league. And then, uh, well, Bracknell's still going now in the, I don't, I, I, I'm going to say ENL. I don't, I don't even know what they call what they call it now, the league below. But yeah, they're still going, but I don't think they play at the same rank. Okay. Um, well, now we get to the uh, the London Knights. And before we start getting into the roster, we'll start with the coach, and the coach is Chris McSorley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris McSorley loved his tough teams. 
Yes, he did. You know, there's a guy, and of course, Chris McSorley is Marty's older brother, um, and played in the minors in the IHL and the AHL, put up a ton of penalty minutes, including in Toledo of the IHL, a 545-minute season. Um, but he had 27 goals, too. That's a hell of a year. Fuck. 55 points in 545 minutes. There you go. But uh, I would say, anybody listening, Hockey DB, Christmas Soli, guy was, yeah, guy put some fucking insane numbers. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? So, I mean, you know, it's one thing if you're going to coach tough or whatever, and I've heard some, I've heard mixed stories about Chris McSorley. Um, you know, I know he was, he, I laugh because he, he was coaching in the Swiss League forever. And, uh, oh, who, somebody was on Spit and Chiglets. It was a skilled guy. He was just shitting all over McSorley. Like, he was just like, this guy's an idiot. Um, Nikar didn't like him. Well, it's interesting. Like, uh, um, he didn't like Nikar either. Well, see, now, see, you can't just leave it at that here. Like, uh, I know. Oh, no, I'll tell the story. Okay. The story. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Nikar was in London the year before. And, um, and end of the year, they announced what players are, are being released. And then Nikar was one of the names. And uh, Chris Sorley came out and he said, uh, he went, yeah, Barry Nikar. Thinks he's Tarzan, but plays like Jane. That, oh. that was that was the quote from Christmas Soy. So Nikar always had a vendetta against London, and it's actually it's crazy to think now, but Nikar didn't actually have a gloves off fight that year against London, but there was a bunch of incidents. Like uh, there was one game where uh, Paul Rushforth, who played for London that year, yep. Uh, it, it was the end of, end of the game in Nottingham, but yeah, he went after Nikar and Nikar just dropped him with a glove punch. It was a big time, big time glove punch. And then I can't remember who it was, but somebody else came in and Nikar threw another glove punch and they went down too. And uh, it was like a comical scenario. As a fight fan, it was frustrating as fuck because I was thinking, come on, Stebridge, just drop him and square off here. Let's go. But, uh, but yeah, Nikar was always very. Very frustrated with Christmas Soli. Was it a harder glove punch than Taylor Hall's? Uh, well, he didn't try to grab his face. So, uh, yeah, definitely. There, there was a closed fist. So, yeah, it was different. Oh, it was different. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, plays like that, that's not a really... Uh, well, clearly there's obviously personal issue. Well, obviously. Because I'm like, that's not... I From all accounts and from what I can tell, that's not really a fair assessment of Barry Nightgar. Yeah, it, yeah, it was just, it, yeah, it was kind of weird because Christmas Soli always stacked up on toughness when he was over here. They, they was, they was always really mean, really tough teams, and it did. It surprised me because I, I would have thought Nike would have been McSoli's perfect player. Well, that's what but I mean. Like you'd think he would be saying that about some guy with like ten penalty minutes or something, not like Nikar. like. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was com- completely out of, out of the blue. But yeah, that was that was McSorley's statement. He said he thinks he's Tarzan, but he plays like Jane. Huh. So. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, uh, uh, yeah. Well, Chris McSorley was, uh, uh, well, as we said earlier, a fairly polarizing figure. 
um, in in terms of you know his coaching. Like I said, I've I've heard from from different people about uh, about his style. Um, was did you ever hear any? Uh, like he had, cause this, I was just looking it up just to confirm, but this was the year of course that McSorley, Mar- his brother Marty was banned or I guess he played in the, in Grand Rapids, but was there ever any talk about Marty coming over? No, no, nothing. Really? Nothing. But I'll tell you what, one thing, uh, Chris McSorley did a chat show where he would, he, he just spoke about his career in hockey and told some stories. And uh, we spoke about Link a few minutes ago. That night, he did come up with another good, good Link story. Oh, everyone loves <laughs> to hear Link Gate stories. All right. Yeah. And uh, Chris said he was he was coaching a team, and Link, in warm-ups, Link took the net away. Link just skated down, took the net, took up the rent. So the team, the team warmed up without a net. And apparently Chris McSorley was fucking raging and fuming that nobody did anything about it. So he went crazy at the team before before the opening face off. And I I wish I I wish I knew what tough guy this was. And I think back now I don't I don't think he gave a name, he just told the story. But he yeah, he told that tough guy, he says, You 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 better fight Link off the opening face off tonight. You better fight him. And whatever tough guy this was, he skated out opening face off. It lined up next to Link. And he says, do you know you have pink laces? And Link went, no. And when Link shouted no and shook his head, he went back to the bench. He went, see, I asked him to fight. He said, no, he said, no. <laughs> and then he went for a change. There, there you go. <laughs> That's intimidation, folks, right there. When you yeah. when, when you take a net and warm up, and no one does anything. That's intimidation. Yeah, yeah. They're still making excuses after the warm ice cage. But no, I thought that I thought that story was hilarious when he told it. Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. But um, well, like you said, we're we're into London here, and uh, you know the very first name that comes up. Um, you know, and of course, I, I mentioned earlier that he led the league this year, the 2,000 year in penalty minutes. Uh, his lone season over there was Claude Jutras, and of course, legendary minor league tough guy. Um, what do you remember about Claude? Uh, Claude, well, uh, Claude's first fight over here, he got dropped by Real and Sheffield uh, in a preseason game. And. Yep. I, I don't want to. I don't want to come across as talking shit about these guys, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to come across talking shit. But no, I always. I always saw Claude as a bit of a spot picker over here. Um, the only fight in person I saw him have uh, was against Jimmy Pack, and that was a. Uh, there was a line brawl in Nottingham, and that's that's actually a story. Uh, Brendan Urema. Yep. Uh Brady Arema was tough. He could play. He could play. He was he was a very, very good player to wrap the points up. So looking here, Brennan yeah, Brennan Arema was second on the team in scoring. Yep. Uh but yeah, uh, I think I think 
Urema took a shot to the face or something, and uh, he broke his jaw. But there was a time uh, he was playing; he had, he had a jaw protector on. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, something clipped to his helmet that covered his jaw. But he still played the same. He was still an agitator there. And uh, there was a game in Nottingham, and it was late on. I can't remember which team was up, but it was a blowout game. And there was 50, 40, 30 seconds left. But it all kind of... There was a big confrontation in front of the Panthers bench, and Urema was leading this. He was the one starting shit with, with his jaw protector. And he was chirping at a guy called Ryan Gillis for RCM. And I just remember Ryan Gillis, he reached over with his left hand and he pulled his jaw protector off. And the second he pulled it off, he punched him with the right. Ugh. And Urema went down straight away. And then it, it, was, it was a shit show after that. There was a line roll straight away. And I remember, uh, yeah, Claude Jutra fought Jimmy Pack in that line roll. All right, we're back at it here. Sorry, folks, a little break. Um, so, yeah, Claude Jutras. Well, and like you said, it's a Chris McSorley, tough team. So you have Urama, Jutras, and, of course, you get into Dave Moose Morissette, who came over. He played 13 games, 117 minutes and penalties. Um, you know, he yeah. fought. Um, uh, Wait, for Norris twice. Yeah, Norris. Uh, he got KO'd oh. by Hurley. Yeah, and then he, yeah, and he fought Paxton Schulte. Yeah, and I tell you, I tell you what, it's 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 really sad because the, this year in the UK that was uh, that was the end of Morris's career, and uh, he actually had his career ended in Nottingham. And uh, there was a guy called Cassim Masters. Not not a tough guy by any means. He's typical five uh, ten visor wearing skill guy. And it, it just completely off the play. Him and Morissette just bumped into each other. Morissette went down, out cold, stretched it off the ice, and uh, and never played again after that. And let's say that's such a shame to see Dave Morissette go out like that. Well, and that's wild, right? Like, you'd think Morissette with all those hundreds of fights that he had and against all those tough guys and Lassard and Shelley and Probert and LaRock and, and all that. And, uh, you know, then he's over there and he's fighting Norris twice and Hurley and Schulte. And then he gets knocked out with a just a seamless... Yeah, just just an accidental, accidental clash. That's, yeah. that's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, did you get the chance to see Morissette in person? Yes, yeah, I did. Well, I, I was at the game when when that happened because uh, Castle Masters was in Nottingham. Oh, so yeah, yeah, I was when it happened. But yeah, no, yeah, I saw him. I also because yeah, well, he came over. He had a big reputation, so obviously I knew who he was. So I was a fight fan, and I, I was always itching. He's got to fight somebody tonight, but unfortunately, it never happened in Nottingham. Yeah, like when you when he was over there playing, like was he fairly physical though? Was he running around and? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was horrible, horrible. It's one of those. It, it you you could always see with the guys whether they was here 
still trying to prove a point or they was here to finish out, if if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, Morissette was uh yeah, he was one hundred percent balls to the wall. He he yeah, he was here. He was Dave Morissette, he had he had other plans. His plan wasn't just to to end end his career in Nottingham that night. Well, another guy that was on that team that was an interesting character, and he was a former past guest on this show, was Aaron Bow. Yeah, yeah, Aaron Bow. Yeah, yeah. Again, just, just, yeah, just a physical guy is is what I would class as like a real hockey player. He he, he has skill. He was a good player, very good player. Yeah, had the skill, but he was a physical guy. And uh, he fight when he needed to. I think, uh, I think, like off the top of my head, I think that year he was only in London for a short stint, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah, and then he went over. Well, he was in Helsinki, I believe, to start, and then he came over and played the final twenty-two games. And then he played in the playoffs, and then he went. Yeah. And then he went back over to the states. Yeah. So I've got a great picture of Aaron Bow where he's holding the stick like a stick fight. Yes. You- you must have that. I do. Yeah, that is a very, uh, that's a good picture. And if uh, folks interested, like I said, I had Aaron Bow on. I believe it was a two-part interview. It was, it was a long time ago. It was right when I had, it was on my old platform. And I've since re-uploaded it onto this one. Um, but really great interview. He And he we go over his time in the UK. And he definitely, t- he tells some UK stories. And uh, and Bo is a character. The, uh, the interview actually starts with him in a weed store. Buying weed before we get recording about his show or about his career, he's buying weed. So, um, and that's all on video or all audio. That's how we start the the interview. But um, yeah, Aaron Bow, he's a character, but he does tell some great UK stories. But um, just before we leave London, I'll tell you another guy, uh, Brendan Urema. I think he, I think he was second uh, second on the team in scoring that year. Brendan Urema was tough. Um, Trying to think, I'm sure he. I'm sure he went back to the AHL after he was over here. I'm sure he played in Houston. But no, uh, Urema was. He was like a wrecking ball. He was. He was just. Everywhere you looked, he was there. Um, I remember uh, he fought Darby Walker when Darby Walker was in uh, in London. No, no, sorry. Jesus, that sounds even now. Where was Darby Walker that year? Newcastle. Well, he was in Newcastle before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know why I said, yeah, he fought Darby Walker when Darby Walker was in Newcastle. But yeah, Brendan Uremo, just, just a solid guy, physical, would fight, wrapped up the points. Uh, there's a couple of instances with, uh, with Uremo. Uh, he got hit with a shot early doors in the season and uh, I think he broke his jaw and he had like a jaw protector but there's a couple of times he was chirping Mike Ware one game uh, Mike Ware got a penalty and Mike Ware was in the box and Urema mocking just did the whole can't skate to putting the show on but he turned his back he didn't realise the linesman had brought Mike Ware out of the box and then he did the can't skate thing and Mike Ware just jumped him <laughs> landed a few, so he was regret. He yeah, he regretted that one. And again, there was a brawl in Nottingham. Uh, there was actually a few good brawls that year with Nottingham. Well, I, uh, like you, like you said, anybody that can get the jaw protector ripped off and then take a right hand is uh, yeah. 
that, that's, yeah. That, that's a level of toughness right there that, uh, you know what though? There's a name on there that I want to ask you about because he's a local guy. Nicky Chin. Oh yeah, Nicky Chin. I remember Nicky Chin. Where yeah, he's he's a Welsh guy, isn't he? Yep. He's from Cardiff. So, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah he's played he he played in the UK league for a long time, and uh, well yeah he was always there. Um, yeah, Nicky Chin was tough, but I mean he was he would obviously get involved. I mean, 100, yes. 100 minutes in 16 games. I mean, you know, something was happening, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Nicky Chin and Corey Bowley had a big, big rivalry. Uh, that was a couple of years before this, but they had a big, big rivalry. But, yeah, no, Nicky Chin, he'd, yeah, he'd, he'd fight. He was a chippy guy, physical. Well, and another guy that actually played over there. It's always I, I always love it going through these rosters here. It was always these these old these old WHL guys that I used to watch, and he he uh, he finished his WHL career with the Blades. I know they made a trade at the deadline for him, and I was a big fan. Was Lee Sorokin? Oh yeah, I remember Lee Sorokin playing in Belfast. Oh yeah, yeah. Is sorry, um, is Sorokin on the list this year? Well, he played in London for eight games. All right, okay, okay, sorry. That's that's me being ignorant there. Uh, yeah, I don't remember much about him in London that year. I, I remember him being in Belfast in 2003. Yep. But, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that because I remember him and Dodie Wood going out one night in Nottingham. Yeah, no, I was always, uh, I always liked Lee Sorokin. Well, and then another name for the folks out there that you'll know, and uh, Bill Heward showed up for one game, scored a goal, and that was the end of Bill. Yeah, see, I I was in. I was asking Paul about this the other day because uh, back then they they didn't call it uh, five minutes for fighting. It was always two plus two for roughing. Yeah. So um, Billy Huard, he had he had four pims. So I was I was trying to track down if he actually fought anybody, but apparently he didn't. But uh, it's kind of amazing that a guy like Billy Huard would come over for one game. But yeah, well, it was, well, why did he only play the one game? Did it, does anybody know? I I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's what I was going to say. It's amazing he only played one game because he must have. There must have been something to bring him here, and then for and then for him just to play that one game and then go back. There must there must have been something going on there. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, well, you don't bring Bill Hewitt all the way over, and then he, you know, one game, and then he leaves. So, according to Drop Your Gloves, his one fight was with Clayton Norris. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, well, I, I have a bad source in the UK then, Paul, well, because I, I asked Paul after the Bill Hewitt fight anybody. I see he had four pins. He went no. Definitely not. So yeah, we'll give we'll give him some shit. Well, yeah, Paul, straighten your shit out over there. Well, hold on, I'm gonna I I have drop your gloves open on the wayback machine here, and I just hit Clayton Norris's fight card, so it's gonna come up here. And uh, I was gonna say, people, it's the power of editing, but I'm not gonna edit shit. So yeah, there you go, October twelfth, Bill Heward in London. 
And according to Drop Your Gloves, it was a draw with a fun factor of two. So there you go. <laughs> so maybe that's where he got four minutes. Maybe it wasn't a fight. Maybe I'll, I'll give Paul the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was just roughing, I guess. Man, like I say, we, uh, that year, we, we didn't give five-minute majors. A fight was two plus two for roughing. That's what they used to call fights. So, uh, yeah, oh. the four minutes makes sense. Well, there you go. So, October 12th in London, Clayton Norris and Bill Heward. Yeah. So, you know, I, I bring you UK, I bring your UK people on here to do these shows, and I'm giving you the answers here. I don't know what's going on. Here. <laughs> I don't know. We're but, from the UK. What do we know about hockey? That's well, fantastic. I'm starting to question a few things here. <laughs> but uh, the next team, of course, we got Air, the Scottish Eagles, as we said earlier, led by uh, Tony Hand and. Uh, you know, there's a few characters on here. Oh, Saskatoon boy Cam Bristow. I remember him in the University of Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, former SJHLer was over there. But I know Yuka is just dying for us to get to this. His favorite, Trevor Doyle on the team. Fred, Trevor Doyle was a fucking scary dude. Huge. Yes, he I, was. I, I, he looked fucking huge. And, um,. I remember a game in Nottingham. There was a uh, Graham Garden guy who played for Nottingham. He was a he, he was a shit server. He was a rat. Uh, fight a little bit, but n- nobody you'd ever ever think of. He was always keeping it in his weight class. But I remember, yeah, he he chirped Trevor Doyle, and Doyle swung his stick across the back of his legs like a bat. It, it was probably the most ruthless slasher I've ever seen a game in person. And uh, Garden went down, and then Doyle lifted his stick up again like he was going to slash him when he was down. He didn't do it. He pulled out of it. But uh, good old Eric Levine came down the ice and fought Doyle then. And uh, that, that was it was pretty much an event. They ended up against the Boers. There was a lot of wrestling. You know what? I, I'm starting to think you're just trying to shoehorn Eric Levine into every story tonight. I think <laughs> Eric Levine was fucking awesome. Uh, but no, the, the next pick's definitely uh, a great Trevor Doyle story. But uh, anyway, after the fight, uh, Trevor Doyle got the gate to, for the slash, and uh, there was a there was a uh, a fifty fifty ticket seller in Nottingham. He was an old boy. He was always very vocal, leaning over the boards, shouting at the players. But that night, after Doyle got kicked out, he got showered, got his street clothes on, and he actually came up into the stands and he grabbed hold of this ticket seller. And uh, (laughs) I don't know how it ended, but I can imagine imagine it didn't end well for the ticket seller. (laughs) Well, I can guarantee he wasn't saying as much as he was when he was hanging over the glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can yeah, guarantee, I guarantee that. He like he did. That that is tremendous. I I just laughed at the fifty fifty guys getting involved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to sell tickets by the away bench. So um, block four in Nottingham. That's where the away bench is at the bottom. But yeah, he used to he used to assign a little concourse area when you came through the doors. And he, uh, I, re- I remember it clear as day. He used to always be leaning over the uh, over the away bench, just talking shit, shouting. 
But yeah, I heard it after. I said, oh yeah, yeah, Doyle came up and grabbed him. (laughs) Tremendous. Um, Do you know anybody that's ever won a 50-50 draw? No. No. I just say all the years of going to Blades games and everything else, nothing. I've never, I don't, and I don't know anybody who's ever won one. And I know they get up super high and I'm like, I don't know, are you picking up fictional wins? I don't know. I've never heard of any, I don't know anybody that's ever won a 50-50 draw. I remember being in Orlando when we was on holiday, and uh, the fifty-fifty draw was something crazy, like seventy odd thousand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I said to my wife, "I'm having a go on this." Yeah, didn't win, obviously, but uh, but yeah, that's crazy for a minor league game. How how can it be that high if it's not rigged? I know. I don't know, but yeah, I know there's some fifty-fifties that get massive around here. The folks in Saskatchewan love the 50-50 draws, I can tell you that. But um, Trevor Doyle, I'm just looking at his fight card now. Yes, he fought Clayton Norris twice. Then Claude Jucra, Nykar, uh, Paxton Schulte twice. Eric Levine and Curtis Bowen were his fights that year. Curtis Bowen. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was was just giggling because I just thought Curtis Bowen did not fight. And uh, but yeah, no, I know that fight. Uh, yeah, Doyle beat the shit out of him. Um, yeah, Curtis Bowen did not want that fight at all. It was in front of the benches, and uh, yeah, Doyle just basically pounded it. Yeah, I remember Trevor Doyle, that famous picture of him in the jock strap there, and that's all he's wearing, and he's doing the big flex or whatever. I know that picture is all over the internet. Yeah, Doyle's just massive. Yeah, yeah, he was fucking huge. But when you saw him skate out uh, with equipment on, he he just—it's hard to explain. But yeah, he, yeah, he was huge, shoulders up. He was massive, and uh, yeah, looked intimidating as fuck. Uh, yeah, you say he fought Nikar. I remember that. There was that was that was really a non-event. They both dropped the gloves, grabbed on, and then Nikar fell over. Yeah, they. Um... Yeah, tr- yeah, Trevor Doyle. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys. And I know, like I said, I know Yuka's a big fan and stuff. I don't know. It's it's weird. I like I for all the minor league stuff and everything that I've watched. I I don't really remember watching uh, seeing a lot of Doyle fights for some reason. It yeah, seems like there's not a lot out there. No, and I mean you know, and he's in Carol. I mean Carolina and Fort Wayne and. You know, and I mean, he put up, and again, he's an OHL guy, so I mean, I never saw him then, you know, in early 90s OHL, so there's not like there's a lot of footage. But yeah, and I forgot, I just looked now, I forgot he had played the two years, or to the two games of the Laval Chiefs. Yeah, I was say, yeah, he played in Laval for a game, I say. Yeah. yeah. He fought in Laval. Who did he fight in Laval? I know, uh, I know Jay sent me the clip, so I should know. Um, yeah, it was, uh, let's go down, uh, where, uh, Patrice, uh, Pagwin, Pagin? I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was... I'm, I imagine Doyle won. It says he did, yes. A fun fact of <laughs> eight, too. So, I'm like, okay. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're we're killing the fans here. Listening, they're like, "What are these two? All they're doing is scroll and drop your gloves." But um, you were gonna say, well, you brought up the interesting story with the ticket seller getting involved with people and stuff. Um, of course, again, 
forgive my ignorance here as a North American fan, but of course, with the UK and everything, you always hear about like the soccer hooligans and that type of thing. And, you know, and, and everybody knows about the, the fights between all the different football factories and all that stuff and the clubs yeah. and all that. Um, and, and I've, and I, and I have often, when I've been online, gotten into it with a few UK fans and they, and, I, and maybe they don't, but it, it, it seems like it's a, and I guess all fans are like this now that I'm saying this, but for the sake of this, we'll just talk about UK fans. It seems like it's very much the same kind of idea. Um, is there, I don't know, let's say there's like hockey hooligans or anything, but is it very much tribal kind of like that kind of attitude with hockey no. as well? No, not at all. There's, uh, there's, there's no trouble at all with, um, with hockey fans. No trouble at all. Um, I don't think I can explain it without being, uh, well, because I know over the I know over the years they've gotten into it with some of the players. I mean, you had Nickerson fighting that, and Diomedi getting into it with a fan and stuff. But that's always like a one-off, you know, whatever. But like, are they really harsh towards visiting players and that type of thing? I tell you now, hockey fans over here, they're nerds. That's there's there's no other way to put it, and. I think they just kind of like get out of the comfort zone with the players and just say a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's, there's never any kind of crowd trouble or anything like that. They are, it's, I think I'd say it without being horrible, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a different breed of, uh, yeah, the, yeah, they are, I, I can't put it any other way. UK hockey fans, they're, they're all nerds. It's well, you <laughs> it know, sounds terrible, but they are. They're... Again, these are the views not expressed by the fourth line voice. They are <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're, you're killing. You're killing my listens over the UK. They're never going to listen to this show again. <laughs> they're going to say I tuned in, and all these two guys did was motherfuck us the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they are. This, yeah, they, they are. They, yeah, they are nerds. Uh, but at least they used to kind of be uh, passionate and know what they're what they talking about. Now they just, they just complain about everything. Well, folks, I'm going to say that to be completely fair, and you guys got regular listeners get a benefit of the doubt. I'm not just picking on the UK fans. Believe me, I call North American fans fucking nerds all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we apparently John and I just don't like hockey pe- fans. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I, I I did a lot of prep for tonight, but I wasn't prepared for that question. And my only answer is fucking nerds. That's that's my only answer. Well, so. there you go. Well, there. Well, all right. Well, we'll get back. So, well, I, but I want to because I mean, I, well, I mean, you talk about the UK, and it's like you know the the soccer hooligan thing comes up, right? Because it's so prevalent, or so yeah. it, it's so it's so uh, glamorized or romanticized, whatever you want to call it. So I just want to know, is that sort of, was it carried over to the hockey rink, you know? On on a serious note, that was kind of always the thing that that the UK hockey fan would sell it by. It was like, football, there's trouble at football, it's not like that here, everybody gets along. So that was kind of like a selling point for it, that it was was a family sport that you you could bring your kids to, There's, there's not a problem. 
Hmm, that's, inter- that's interesting. Yeah. See? It, it, was, it, it was always sold on that, but now I feel like it's kind of gone a little bit too far, where now it's, well, what, what does a bare-knuckle fist fight, what kind of example does that show children? We, yeah. we 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 say this is a family sport when there's guys fighting on the ice. What what does that say? So yeah, it went too far. Well, not that, not that, that I'm saying I want to see, I I want to gonna... see 100 fans fighting 100 fans. I'm not saying it like that at all, but I just yeah. I think, well, I, uh, well, I think everything in life has gone too far. I think I don't know. That's not that's not just a UK thing. I can tell you as far as hockey fans go, but um, yeah, well. Yeah, but that's interesting that, uh, you know, now, well, yeah, now it's basically become frozen on ice, you know, it's Disney on ice now, so that's the problem, <laughs> right? So, um, but anyway, now that we're done completely uh, obliterating the UK hockey fan, let's get back to the, <laughs> the, the, the Scottish Eagles roster here. Well, one last name I wanted to throw out, of course, was Sean Bram, um, you know, former uh, New York, if I didn't mention him, Lazito would be mad. Um I think Lazito's had him on the show, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, By- Byron was tough as shit as well. Yeah, he, he was, what did I say, Graham? Was... Pardon me, Byron, yes. Yeah, he yeah, he, he was another guy. He was uh he was never he was never your number one heavyweight, but he'd he'd always he'd always fight if something happened. And a lot of the time he'd fight the heavyweights. And he he never looked bad doing it. No, absolutely, and he was and he was over there for a number of years, uh, you know, uh, six years with the with the Eagles. So, um, but yeah, fourth round pick from the from the Islanders, and uh, I want to say Lazito's had him on his show. All these interviews and stuff, they all start running together after a while. Um, did, did Joe get into Madison Square Garden for the exclusive? Well, he probably they probably had a sit down. Oh, yeah, probably in the break room with Joe eating his fish. Yeah, at the at the MSG Broadway Joe, his pot van sucks glass. He can say he doesn't. He's a double agent, man. I'm telling you. Never mind this Islander stuff. He's gonna come out with. He he's gonna do an undercover Ranger podcast. I know it. Did the stadium tour then sat center right to do the pod? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, next up on the list here, we're you know we're halfway through is the uh, the Belfast Giants, um, and have you, well you obviously said you've got what, what's the what's the vibe what's the because I've heard all the players that I've had on the show that have played over in the UK loved Belfast, whether they played there if they played there they loved it, but even as visiting players they loved going to Belfast and they enjoyed it. Uh, what is your feeling on the Belfast Arena and stuff and the vibe there? Yeah, no, Belfast have a really nice arena. I imagine the players like it because uh, the team always. T- the t- from what I've heard from players that's played there, the team looks after them. Yep. They say they have really nice facilities. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yes, yeah, it must be a good organization because all the boys always say it's great to play there. Yeah, no, yeah, and like I said, McMorrow said it was great, Paul Farone said it was great, yeah, and like, uh, I know when Alec had uh, Schulte on, he loved it, and uh, yeah, it always sounds like they take care of the player, and that's the thing, and some of the players that I've had on, this is them saying it, not me, folks, so, like I said, you can get mad at John, he called you nerds, I didn't, but, 
the players have had they all fucking nerds. Let's be honest. I know, but they. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to get downloads here. I'm trying to get return listens. It's not going to happen with this after this episode. One and done, bro. Um, but mm-hmm. they uh, make sure you download it to hear me call you nerds. That's all. That's all it's exactly. I want to get paid while I insult you, but. Um, some of the some of the teams, like they said, they had issues with and what have you, and uh, you know, obviously, there's two sides to every story. But I was going to say, Belfast was one of those, and maybe they, they, I'm sure there are some players that felt Belfast screwed them. I don't know, but the ones, that, at least the ones I've all talked to, have all. Um, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Belfast yeah, yet no, on the teams. I, I've never heard a bad word about Belfast. No. Exactly. So, but. First guy on the list. I got to talk to him because he's a friend of the show. Again, for the UK listeners, if this is your first time listening to the show, John might call you nerds. I'm going to say thank you. But I had Paul. I've had Paul Frone on the show. Tremendous guest, excellent interview, and he and he talks very glowingly of the UK and he tells some very good UK stories. So again, check out the back catalog for the Paul Frone interview. But what were your thoughts when you saw Paul Frone? I love Paul Frone. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, he was awesome. I remember he had that great fight with Barry in Nottingham that night. It was a, a real long fight. Uh, yeah, I'm running who else he fought. Uh, Bedard? Yeah, yeah, he fought Bedard. Um, but he got... i tell you another uh, story about Ferone. He got a three-game suspension against London, and I wish I knew more about this. But yeah, he ended up picking up a suspension in the handshakes against London. Uh, apparently, Ferrona took a cross check earlier in the game, which had broke his nose, uh, which he was pissed off about. And then, uh, yeah, the post-game handshakes, he did something. And ended up getting a three-game suspension for it. But I'd love to see footage of what he actually did in the handshakes. Um, yeah, well, for I am. We didn't talk about that. I can't remember. Like I said, all the all the uh, interviews they run together. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if we actually had talked about that on the episode. But uh, but yeah, Paul Frone. Like I said, I knew him obviously from the Western Hockey League. Uh, an undersized guy played in Seattle, but thunder in his hands could throw both hands. Uh, for those that don't look up Paul Frone on YouTube, uh, he was he awesome. was. Hurt. Time when he played over here too, wasn't he? What's that? He was hurt a lot of the time when he played over here too. Yeah, I think he battled. Yeah, he battled some injuries when he was over there, but uh, in Belfast. But uh, yeah, he had a few good tilts. But uh, not like I said, not the biggest guy. But oof, yep, pretty and pretty solid player too. But um, yeah, speaking of solid, that, that was, sorry, well, no, go ahead. So that was the thing about the Super League when I was saying uh, there was always small rosters. So the tough guys, you'd always see the tough guys take a regular shift. And they could all play the game. Well, yeah. And that and that's... Well, I guess that's the thing, right? Especially over there when, like you said, when, when they're... Yeah, when the rosters are that small, yeah, like you can't have the four-shift guy, right? So, um, but that's also the cool thing as a fight fan when it's like that because now you're going to see the guy play a lot. Yeah. Um, that handshake line that was versus London, right? You said, yeah, 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 yeah. I was reading about. Uh, Paul sent me a bunch of stuff. Um, because I was talking about, it, so I was doing this. I said, anything you've got, like news articles and stuff, send them over to me. Yeah, yeah. And he sent me a 
yeah, news article about that saying uh, it didn't describe what had happened. It just said Farone took a three-game suspension from the handshakes against London. Well, as we were talking, I just sent Paul a text and I asked him, why did you get suspended in the handshake line versus London? So we'll see if he answers me here in time. We'll see. We'll see what kind of pull I got in the Farone household here. If I can, if he ignores my text or if he'll reply, we'll see. But, uh, well, another guy, um, like you said, tough guy that could play, uh, packs... Paxton, look at that. My phone, Paul Ferrone already, folks. There you go. Well, there's his answer. Did I? I don't remember. Fuck, I'm getting old. Well, there you go. Well, that was an uneventful. Well, well, the news article said he did. Well, there you go. Thanks, Paul. Uh, (laughs) Well, here I thought we were going to have the big scoop, but uh, I will say he got back to me right away. That's pretty cool. But uh, uh, Paxton Schulte. Tremendous player, um, drafted by the Quebec Nordiques. Again, another guy. I was actually really surprised, you know, uh, that he never got some NHL time because he yeah. put up he put up some good numbers in the American League too when he was in Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, he was he was in St. John's for uh, for a bit of time as well, wasn't he? He always yeah. was in the in the AHL. And I, when I was saying earlier, when you were talking about the rinks, and I said, oh, Bracknell, it was, uh, they played out of a leisure centre. When Paxson first came over here, uh, that's, that's who we signed for, Bracknell. So, it must be a bit of a, bit of a culture shock when you come from the AHL, and the next thing you know, you're playing in a fucking leisure centre that has a, a dry ski slope attached to it. it. Must be a bit of a culture shock. Well, yeah, and especially the team he was playing for before, the Las Vegas Thunder. So imagine you come from Las Vegas and all of a sudden now you're going to a place with a ski jump attached to it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, Las Vegas to Bracknell, I'd be fuming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm firing my agent there. Yeah, he's a trade me right fucking now. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, yeah, and I was always, yeah, man, like you look at Cornwall there when he's still, you know, he's still a young guy and, uh, you know, he's 23 years old, uh, 69 games, he's got 25 goals, 170 minutes. Um, I know he fought a lot of the heavyweights. Now, I mean, was Paxton Schulte the kingpin of the league? No. But, I mean, he would certainly fight people, and he certainly wasn't going to, uh, you know, back down from anybody. And I was always just really surprised that he never, uh, just, like, not even, I'm not saying he should have been an NHL regular, but just not even a game? It's like, I don't get it. Like, no disrespect, you was never going to see Paxton have your highlight reel fight, but Paxton fought everybody who was competition wherever he was, and he never came out of that looking bad. No, exactly. Like you go back, and it's like, yeah, he's fighting Reed Simpson, Bia Lois, Hellenius, um, Todd Simpson. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like it's just. I mean, he played the exhibition game. He fought Baumgartner and the Kale Halls, Joey Middlestad, Norman Endar. Like, you know, he he certainly wasn't picking spots or anything. I just, no. you know, and like I said, 25 goals. I mean, Jesus, at, at some point you'd be like, what, you know, what more do I need to do here? Like, I don't know. But, and Pat is a hero in Belfast over here. Yes, yes. Yeah. To this day, to this day. He is an absolute hero in Belfast. Yeah. Well, Which is there? Sorry, can I? Well, it, it was... Uh, well, who do you have the big incident with? It was Nykar, wasn't it? Nykar. Yeah. 
Nikar seems to be getting involved in a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, Nikar caused some shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Schulte had two years in Bracknell, and then uh, he signed in Belfast. Yeah. And uh, I believe he played in Belfast until he retired. He played one year in the Central League in Tulsa after that. All right, okay. Uh, but no, yeah, he was, yeah, he, yeah, he's a cool hero in Belfast to this day. But what, like, it, what was it a line brawl? Like, there was, I remember because Paxton was on Alex's show and he still holds a grudge against Nightcar. Like, he still, yeah, hates it, him. yeah, it, it, it was the end of the game. There was, um, the ever, everybody came together on the final buzzer. And uh, the well, the benches came out, so it, it was chaos. And uh, Paxton fought a guy called Christian Talbert, who was a European guy. And uh, Talbert, Ta- I would say Talbert never fought. He, he never fought after that. He never fought before when he was in Nottingham. I don't know whatever else he'd done, wherever he'd been. But he actually looked pretty good against Schulte. And I think he surprised Schulte. Uh, so they was kind of like uh, going toe-to-toe a little. And um, the Panthers team was stacked that year. And they kind of pounced on Schulte like wolves. And if you watch the video, Dodie Wood actually suckers Schulte with, with, with a huge shot. And that's the first time Shorty kind of goes down, but nobody ever talks about that. And I don't know if what Shorty never mentioned on night show, so I don't know if that kind of goes unnoticed. But after that, when Shorty gets up, Nikar comes in, he grabs the back of his jersey, and while the linesmen are trying to split Talbert and uh, Shorty up, Nikar throws about five or six punches to the back of his head. And uh, yeah, it's it's brutal. It's cheap. That that was hockey back then. Well, it's very much yeah, like in stuff like that back then. It was very much a gang mentality, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah, and it was uh, yeah, and sometimes you know, yeah, vicious, vicious things happened. That's just the way it was. And uh, yeah, but I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm, well, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, we're just yeah, about to get advantage. Yeah, well, I mean, we're just we're reporting the news, right? We're not condoning yeah. it or saying it was good or bad or otherwise. It's just like that's that's the way it was back then. And like I said, you know, when we're talking about you with this season series or whatever, you know, we're taking the time machine, we're putting ourselves in the year two thousand, and back then that's just the way it was. And yeah, that's just, yeah. So like you said, you could argue if that's good, bad, or otherwise, but that's what happens. So, but. um Another guy, and I know he's a you know an old flyer guy, so I know he's right up your alley. But um, really high draft pick, first round pick, um, J- Jason Bowen. Yeah, Jason Bowen played over here for quite a few years. I remember he was still here when we uh, when we ended up the Elite League. Yeah, um, yeah, he was kind of like a. I would say he was one of those guys who he didn't he didn't really want to fight when he was over here. He would play. He he was your he was your big tough no nonsense D man. But uh, but yeah, he'd, he'd be good for I'd say seven or eight fights a year. He always seemed to find Clayton Norris. 
Yeah. When, whenever him and Norris is in the league together, they would always find each other and fight. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, he hit Joe Poirier one year with a with a horrendous hit from behind. But yeah, no, I like I like Jason Bowen. He was a uh, yeah, yeah he was mean, mean as fuck. Yep. So yeah, uh, there's, there's no other way to describe him. Yeah, he was mean. Try to think of, uh, who he fought. Who he fought that year in uh, 2000, 2001. I know he fought Clayton. Uh, he fought Joel Poirier. You're not saying he hit him, hit him from behind a few years later, but no, he fought him that year. But yeah, like I say, he was just no nonsense. He was just uh... back then in, in the UK. Every year, teams would always sign uh, the 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 big name tough guy would always be a winger, but you'd always uh, they would always also sign a D man who. Again, had had like a reputation for being the tough guy, but he the D man would always be your number two guy. So, uh, so yeah, Belfast, you there, you had Shorty, he would have been the number one, and then Farone, Farone would uh, would have been the unknown quantity, and then uh, yeah, and then Bowen would have been the tough D man they, they brought in. Yeah, like you said, it's interesting with Bowen. Like, he didn't really fight too much over there. I'm just kind of looking at his fight card. Yeah, Poirier, Clayton Norris, and the next year, Dodie Wood, Clayton Norris. He fought Dodie Wood a few times. Cam Bristow. And then the one year, Hurley a few times. Got knocked out by Hurley, actually. Um, then he fought Andre Payette a couple times. Brad Voth a whole bunch of times. That was in his last year over there. Fought Voth four times, actually. Oh, he had something going against him with him. Yeah. Uh-huh. How does he fight Norris over here? Uh, See, so you, you seem to have these fight cards. I couldn't find these. So two, he fought him twice. The, the year was 2000-2001. He fought him in Belfast. And then he fought him the next year in Nottingham. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the second game of the season. September 8th, yep. Yeah, it was early doors. It was about 20 seconds into the game, they squared off. Yep. There you go. Oh, you got to go on the Wayback Machine, man. Go grind it out some drop your glove stuff. Um, well, one name that's on that on the on the Belfast team. He only played four games. Had three points though. Shane Toporowski. Yeah. See, I don't remember. I don't remember Shane much at all because obviously he didn't fight you over here. No, but, uh, it was just interesting. Just the four games, and you know, off he went. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember seeing him play. So I imagine he was just one of those guys that came in and went because that that used to happen so often. Yeah, it was a back, back then, Yeah, guys would just quit mid year and then just disappear. Yeah, well, and it's and it's interesting because it's like, I mean, you're going over, you're you're flying across the ocean. It's not like oh, we're just going to head up the road to Tulsa or something. It's like, you know, it's quite a commitment. But yeah, well, we, yeah, well. Especially because over here, well, the teams would have to apply for a work permit, which is going to cost them money. Yeah, and then they get, and then they're going to pay your flights. So there, there is there is a little bit of an investment that the teams are going to put in a guy, and that's that's what always surprised me when they, uh, these guys would come in for one, two, three games, and then and then just go back. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, I don't remember Toborowski at all. Yeah, well, four games, right? Exactly. So, no, it's just kind of kind of wild. But uh, while well, we're on to the Manchester Storm, 
I Manchester Storm. It's always uh, I always was a big fan of their logo, the skull with the the lightning bolts and shit. I was always kind of down with that. Yeah, yeah. But some of the names on here, of course, a few a few W Marty Flickle, the old uh, Tacoma Rocket. Yeah, uh, you know, played forever in the minors. Uh, Blair Scott, Corey Spring, um, but the one and only. The oh this guy he I watched him in Moose Jaw for years. He's such a little bastard. I loved him. Rob Tremblay. Um he played over there for a long see, time. Yeah, see that year? Tremblay wasn't wasn't very busy at all. Um I'm trying to think who he fought that year. I have it written down. One sec. <sighs> Well, it's, well, and that's the thing. It's kind of wild because he had 228 minutes of penalties. But yeah, yeah, he yeah he wasn't he, yeah. Uh, Trumley was really quiet like yeah fight wise. Yeah, I've got now. I think he fought Scott Metcalf and Louis Bidard. So two fights, 228 minutes. And he only had two fights. Wow. That 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 that's that's all I've got down. That's all I know of. It, 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 something must have happened. There must have been stuff going, went on. So. I mean, if, if you spoke to Rob, he'd probably tell you a bunch more. But uh, for, from what I know, what's out there, that's uh, they're the only two fights I know. But I say we, we're talking about Manchester. I say another name off that list: Doug Dole. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Doug Dole was busy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He for because I mean, this is uh, what we're talking four years before he was in Boston. Yep. So, Dougie Dole was young then when he when he came over here. So he he still had something. Uh, he was still playing for something. Well, and it's wild because right, he played fifteen games. He had seven points, fifty one minutes. He fought three times. Fought Schulte, Biel, and Bedard. Um, yeah, and I think the, and uh, the Biel and Bedard fights are great. Yep. I tell you, we were talking about Bedard earlier. I would say with Dolan Bedard, I, I would say if you had to pick a winner, Bedard won that fight. I'd say so. Um, uh, and those f- folks listening, those those fights are on YouTube. I would definitely look them up. Um, yeah, tremendous. But yeah, the um, yeah the match, uh, yeah the Manchester team. Um, I'm trying to. I'm just looking now. The goalie, uh... Frank Peter Angelo. He he was their starting goalie that year, Frank Peter Angelo. But he he was like a not far out in the NHL when he came over here. Was it like Trimenikov or something? Uh, yes. Um, I was I was going to say I'm sure he was the backup, but looking at looking at my uh, my printouts here, he played 38 games, so obviously he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I know one of the goalies out the two. They they wasn't far out in the NHL, yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh, well, there you go. Yeah, well, I know Peter Angelo played in the NHL for sure. Yeah, Peter Angelo. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, he played. He played a long time. He. Uh... With Pittsburgh and Hartford and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I say, I, I say, we're talking about this tonight, and we're talking about the tough guys and stuff. But 
back in this era, the UK League, the standard was ridiculously good. And that's that's another thing. I, the North American fans, they probably don't realise, again, this, this, was, this was a solid league. Yes. At the time. This, this was... It was... Uh, I remember Brian Thompson... Uh, he he was next uh, ECHL, AHL, and OHL guy. He said like uh, the standard of the league and the Super League was um, low end AHL level. Yeah. Well, like you said, like all the guys that we've listed here that we've talked about tonight. I mean, we're talking about oh, they played in the American League, then the IHL, and it's like, yeah, these guys aren't coming out of like beer league, like no, no. Well, like, that. At the time, they they, um, they petitioned to change it when when we went to the elite league, and uh, they brought in the import rule. Uh, they brought in the import import levels. Uh, they changed it at the time, and it went down to um, guys who'd played the CHL. Uh, they could get a work permit, but in the Super League days, you couldn't get a work permit over here unless you played ECHL or above. So, these teams that was all import, yeah, they had to be ECHL or above. That that's that's a fucking good standard that you bring it over. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and I think, and that's definitely something. Yeah, that, well, that's a great point to bring up, and I think that should definitely be, uh, uh, like you said, brought up. That yeah, this this level of hockey being played. Not only, I mean, obviously we're focusing on the tough guys and talking about the fights and everything else, okay, but, um, yeah, like you said, even the tough guys that we're talking about are all, like, putting up points and stuff. There's not just the nuclear weapons. Like, yeah, everyone's playing here, and it's, like, at a very high level. So, yeah, um, yeah, one of the names you mentioned, Marty Flickle. Yes. See, I... Until I listened to your, uh, the last one where you had Anthony on, and uh, he mentioned Marty Flickle, and he said, oh, yeah, he'd, he'd drop the gloves when he needed to. I saw Flickle for two years over here. I I never... But this this is back before the internet, so you didn't really know who Guys was. Obviously, the internet existed, but your everyday person didn't have the internet. So, uh, but yeah, and I never looked at Flickle as tough because he never did anything over here fight-wise. And no, then, uh, I, no. I actually googled it after after I heard Anthony say it, and yeah, he racked some pims up. He did. Uh, it, with other teams. Yeah, like when he was at the East Coast, like you know, it's you know, sixty, seventy, eighty minute years. I mean, I think he was more like he was a scoring guy, and I think he was more ratty than anything else. I would not call him a fighter. I mean, he might fight another first-line guy now and again. But, yeah, like, Marty Flickle's not going to pick a fight with Louis Bedard or anything. Like, no. He might fight the other team's first-line center in a scrum or something sometime. But, yeah, he I don't remember. I mean, he might fight twice a year. It's actually, it's actually a bit, bit of a funny story. Because uh, Marty Flickle played in Nottingham, uh, it, it would have been the year before this. Yeah, and his house got broken into, and they had they had the fucking buckets out at the game to to raise money for Marty Flickle because he'd been burgled. 
And I remember, I remember making a joke and, and I said, oh, I'll give him a pound if he fights tonight. And then, sure enough, that third period, he fought fucking Scott Campbell. And that was the only time I'd ever seen him fight in the UK. <laughs> oh, he needed your money, man. He just, yeah. <laughs> Must have heard me. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh, late in the third period. Yeah, he fought Scott Campbell that night. <laughs> well, look at that. And then the fans take up the collection for him. That's excellent. Uh, see, folks, where else are you going to get these stories? This is why you tune into this show. I, I Actually, I'm sure most people have probably tuned out by now, but whatever. For those sticking around. Um, well, here's your home team. We're here. The Nottingham Panthers. Um, I, I laugh because uh, your second leading scorer was Dave Struish. I know David from the Saskatoon. He's from Saskatoon. Played for the Blades for four years, um, and then coaching. And he is now the head coach of the Regina Pats. Um, my, my friend Chris was Dave Struish's sponsor when he was in Nottingham, and he's still really good friends with him to this day. There you go. But uh, but yeah, well, and like you said, it, well, again, we're talking about the level of um, a, a player. Uh, you had Jamie Leach over there. Who played with the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins? Like played eighty NHL games. Uh, Jim Pack, J- yeah, Jim Leach, Reggie's son. Yeah. Oh yes, there you go. Yeah, and uh, Jim Pack. I mean, who played with the Pittsburgh Penguins? Won the Stanley Cup with them. Um. Yeah. Well, Nike, like you said, Nikar, Eric Levine, um, Eric Levine, who had played you know years in the American League and in the IHL before coming over to there. You know, I, yeah. I I completely forgot that Eric Levine played all those years in the LNAH. Yeah, he played in Tefford. Yeah, yeah. The, the, oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think now. It's it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, Eric Levine fights somebody, and I kind of feel sorry for Eric because uh, the guy's running around and looking for something, and Levine kind of just steps up and takes it, and he gets shit kicked. But yeah, no. Uh, Everything you see from Levine, he wasn't the best fighter, but he was game as fuck. Oh, yeah. And, like, even... Yeah, he yeah. always... Well, like you said, even in the IHL days and stuff, like, he would fight named guys, but, uh, you know, was he a killer? No. But, like you said, he was always in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. When I, when I was saying... Uh, I've got a, I've got a book in front of me called The Toughest Job in the League, which is a uh, it was a fan made book uh, which was sold at the Booster Club for the Panthers. So it's not it it never got out there, but it fucking should have. It's amazing. It's just a, it's all interviews with all the tough guys from from this area this era we're talking about. Yeah, and, see, uh, you've, I've never heard you reference that book before. Yeah, so. A fan in Nottingham, what, like, if these guys came into town, he just sort of quickly grabbed them and asked them a few questions? Well, I, well, some some of the uh, some of the interviews are, like, eight or nine pages. So, I mean, we go, I'm looking now, I'm looking at the contents. It's 140 pages, the book, and it has, like, yeah, pretty much any name you can think of um, that played that year. Uh, the guy is actually on the Enforcer Appreciation Group. Is he really? Uh, yeah, he's uh, 
His name, I think, I think he lives out in Thailand or some, something now. He's he's married. I say this. I, I got speaking to him on the Enforcer Group, and uh, yeah, he has a daughter now, and uh, yeah, it's out in Thailand or something like that. And uh, I remember saying to him, I said, "Do you have any of these files saved?" And he says, "No, no, no. I forgot all about it." But I took a couple of screenshots and posted posted it on the group and that's when he got in touch with me and he says oh yeah that was my book and I couldn't believe it when he said he doesn't have anything saved oh but yeah we're talking about Eric Levine now I'm just gonna I'm gonna skip to this I'm gonna uh, give me one second so sorry I, I have bookmarks but that's for later on Eric Levine while well, you're looking that up I will say Eric Levine uh, I have the fight on my YouTube channel. Check it out when he fights. Is it Jason Simon? When Levine, they go over to the pet, they're, they're fighting. And as they make their way over to the boards, Levine just like with just, Oh yeah, dumps him over the bench. With the momentum. He like, it's literally like a wrestler throwing a guy over the top rope. He throws Jason Simon into the penalty box and then side, you know, and then whatever. And it just looks hilarious. And then after he's skating off, he kind of does like the Hulk Hogan and, as he's over there, someone dumps a beer on him and shit. Oh, it's hilarious. Look up Eric Levine versus Jason Simon. You'll dig it. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I might have mentioned it early on. I never spoke to you about it before. I might have mentioned it early on. But yeah, I was saying uh, when Levine first came to Nottingham, uh, the day he flew in, uh, the Panthers was playing Sheffield. Oh, and, yeah, you were uh, saying that. He didn't have skates or all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah his, back, his baggy got held up. So he borrowed a pair of skates... And uh, they dressed him for the game. I've got it here. Exact quote. Um, well, the question is, when you came to Britain, right off the bat, you got into a fight in your first game. Is it important to prove yourself as soon as possible? Levine's answer, yeah. When I, when I arrived, we played at Sheffield, and I was told there was a rivalry between the two of us. Coach Dampier told me not to fight, just to have a little bit of a skate and try and find my feet. But VL came over and we ended up dropping the looks. That's that's fucking awesome. I, I laugh how he says, "Oh, he just told me to go out there and have a little skate." Yeah, I'm sure that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, 40 yeah, seconds yeah. left. Yeah, he told he told me to have a little skate, but VL came over and we ended up dropping the looks. So uh, yeah, no, um, and then the. The next game after that was a home game on Tuesday night. We played Belfast, and Levine fought Paxton Schulte in that game. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're talking about Nottingham. The this is my wheelhouse now because this is uh, this is where I was. This is everything I saw. Uh, we had, we had a few good brawls that season. Um, well, and that's the thing. Like even for the year, for even two thousand, like bench clearing brawls didn't happen in the NHL or anywhere. But you have no. met, you have mentioned that they did happen over there. Well, we uh, th- there was there was one bench clearance that year that was the one against Sheffield, and I I would say that watch the video that was a fucking crazy bench clearance brawl. Yeah, that was a cl- that was a crazy crazy brawl. I mean, I've seen others; uh, they all seem to like fizzle out pretty quick. But no, that that night. That night, Nottingham versus Sheffield, that was a crazy one that went on for a while. But uh, there was a there was a lot of build up to that. 
Um, so yeah, so I'll get I'll get back to the uh, back to the Levine stories later. I'll I'll, I'll get onto this. So yeah, Nottingham this season. Sheffield was always our biggest rivals. Uh, we played Sheffield in a uh, preseason challenge game. A Nico high sticked Vial, and then they fought after. He he cut Vial pretty good with the high stick, and um, yeah, those two fought after, and then a few weeks later, Nottingham was back in Sheffield, and this the game when uh, what Levine was talking about. But yeah, Nikar and VL fought pretty much straight away. And then later in the game, Nikar fought Scott Metcalf. And then at the end of the game, Levine fought VL. And then there was a, there, there was a few things went on. Uh, again, Nikar, when I say Nikar was dirty, Nikar was dirty. And Scott Allison came out in the paper and Scott Allison said, uh, Nikar's dangerous, uh, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he just, uh, he just slated Baron Nikar and said, uh, he's, he's caused, he's caused so much this year. He's dangerous. And then, uh, Boxing Day, we played Sheffield in Nottingham on Boxing Day. And Nikar, uh, there was a, there was a bit of a, bit of a scrum. Everybody came together and Nikar suckered Scott Allison. Allison went down. Uh, he ended up with a concussion from it. And after that, it was, again, this guy has put so many of our players in hospital this season. He's going to have to pay. And then we had the, that eventful night in Nottingham in February. And it was uh, Dennis Fial and Greg Haddon. Greg Haddon was a skill guy for Nottingham. But him and him and VL used to always kind of end up tangled up up together. They, they never dropped gloves and fought, but there was always like a little bit of a scrum, and uh, you get like roughing penalties. But that night in Nottingham, VL and Haddon came together, and uh, when they separated, Nikar came on the line change. The plate was down the other end of the ice, and Nikar just made a beeline for VL and uh, and just elbowed him. Like a like off his feet elbow, VL went down. Uh, Nikar and Steve Carpenter uh, got tied up. Uh, credit to Steve Carpenter; he's not a fighter, but he dropped gloves to grab Nikar the second it happened. Uh, and them two get tied up and start wrestling, and then Allison came out of nowhere with that cross check, and uh, it just blasted Nikar with the cross check, which uh, split his helmet in half, and. Uh, and yeah, and that was that was the start of that bench sharing brawl. So there, there was a lot of build up to that that year. It's it, yeah, it's funny as you as we've gone on here, every incident that you've talked about it seems like Nightcar is right in the middle of everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. He, yeah. He yeah. He caused everything. There. Yeah. Like I say, because Allison said after he he, he says Nightcar has put. Uh, he named he named the guys. I can't remember who they are now, but he was like, "These, these guys have always spent time in the hospital this year because of Barry Nikar. That's why I did it." But yeah, that that cross check was fucking ruthless. Like I say, he split Nikar's helmet in half, and then uh, yeah, and they had the crazy brawl where Nikar fought Biel twice. 
for Alisson twice. The yeah, yeah. If, if anybody listening that hasn't seen it, just Google Nottingham Nottingham Panthers Sheffield Steelers bench clearing brawl. It's one of the wildest bench clearing brawls you'll ever see. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the final team of the year, of this uh, of the season finished in last place. The Newcastle Jesters. Um, but they did have Louis Bedard. Yeah. And they, like I said, they had Daniel Lacroix as well. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, See, yeah. and Darby Walker, Newcastle was pretty tough. Well, I'm just looking here. They had uh, veteran D-man for a couple of games, Bob Halkidis. There you go. Love it. Um he only played like two games, but there you go. Um, See, I have no idea who that guy is. Bob Bob Ah, oh, he's an old '80s Buffalo Sabres guy. Played bounced around the NHL for a little while. One of them gritty old D man. He only played two games, but I just saw his name here while we were while I clicked over, and that kind of struck me funny. But but yeah, like well, and there you go, Daniel Lacroix, right? Yeah, uh, you know, played for the Rangers, played for the Flyers. Um, you know. Sim. I'm, I'm looking now. I'm just trying to put it together. Yeah, Lacroix. He, um, he went. He went after Claude Utrecht a bunch of times, and uh, they, they, they did end up fighting once. But there was a couple of times Utrecht killed. And that, that with Claude Utrecht, that was one of the things. There was a lot of times when he, it was kind of like he was playing a game, where. He'd try and draw the penalty on guys. And you could see they was getting so pissed off with it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things, right? It's, um, you know, Jutra's done it for so long. And, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But he put up a ton of penalty. Yeah, like you said, I don't want to. We're not doing this to shit talk people or anything like that. Yeah, no, 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 I don't mean anything by it when I say it. No, I know, I know. But, you know, again, like I said, we're, you know, we're, we're reporting the news here. We're not making it. So it's like, yeah, he, he was a fucking asshole, right? He's starting shit yeah. and, you know, whatever. It all, it all works. But, uh, yeah, well, and I mean, I guess I already, we already talked about, uh, you know, Louis Bedard, but it, uh, you know, I looked it up. He had 12 fights that year. Um, Frone twice, Hurley twice, Dowell, Winger, VL, Tremblay, Lacroix. Uh, no, that's Lacroix. Lacroix fought well, Wingers, Utras, Nykar, Schulte, Weaver. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, see, we, we was we was talking earlier about money. Daniel Lacroix, what kind of money do you think Newcastle was paying to bring him over to play here? And he was still fighting. So it's not like it's changed where he's just coasting. Well, and that's the thing. He's he's a year... Like, he played in the, with the Islanders. It was a game, granted. But he played a game with the Islanders. And then he was in the IHL with the Chicago Wolves. And then he's over in Newcastle the next year. Well, yeah, you can guarantee... they Like, in if he's playing for the Chicago Wolves in the IHL, he was making good money. Yeah. Just out of the NHL. So, yeah, I can guarantee it was probably close to hundred grand. So I'm pretty sure Newcastle is pretty much getting close to matching that, I bet. I would bet. See, I, I know the exact figures of uh, a couple of uh, EIHL guys is on, but in the Super League, 
I don't. All, all I can say, the, the only the only thing I know about wages in the Super League, there was a guy called Mark Godot. He was a skill guy, played in RCM. And uh, I remember speaking to him one night, and he told me, pay-wise, he says, unless, unless you're an established veteran in the AHL, the money is better in the UK than what it is in in the AHL. There you go. So it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be changed. No, and like I said, for him to leave the IHL, which at that time was a big money league for an old for an yeah. NH, for an established NHL guy, he would because it was him and Maltese and Rob Brown and those guys over in Chicago with the Wolves. Um, like you can you can guarantee. Uh, you know, and like Brian Noonan and all those guys, uh, they were throwing money around pretty good in the eye at that time. Yeah, for him to yeah. go to the to leave that and go to the UK, yeah, he would have been making really good money. Yeah, well, well, plus the pound well, but, is worth more, right? The Canadian money too. It was then. Yeah, yeah. Back, so, back, back then, you were talking probably. Uh, $2.50 Canadian to the pound. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's like working overtime, man. That's like working double time. So, you know, I mean, you know. And, and your wages was just beer money. It's like you had a house paid for, your phone was paid for, your car was paid for, plus you got a house and all bills included. Yeah. So, literally, anything you got paid, it was just beer tokens. Well, and that's the and that's the other thing in the American Hockey League and in the IHL, you're paying for your own place to live. The team doesn't supply that. The team will supply it in the East Coast League and that, but not in the American League or in the IHL. Because I can't remember who I was talking to, but I remember oh, where were they playing? Was it Connecticut? It was somewhere around there, and they were like, it was super expensive to live there, you know. Yeah. And they were making American League money. Yeah, I think they were playing for the Connecticut Whale or whatever. I think. Something like that. And they were like, yeah, it's really expensive. You know, whereas he had, the previous year had come from wherever he was playing in the American League. I, I can't remember, but it was like a, in the state, but it was a cheaper state to live. But yeah, I know there's a few places that, yeah, it was really expensive. So now, yeah, again, you know, you're making time and a half almost. And now you don't have to pay rent or anything. So, yeah, you're farting through silk, man, if you go over there. So that's it. I've I've heard horror stories from other teams. I I, I can only, I can only say for from Nottingham, but I, I I know in Nottingham the boys are always really looked after, and uh, yeah, it doesn't cost them a penny the whole time they're here. Yeah, well, and like we were mentioning with Belfast again. I mean, I know Ferone and those guys have said nothing but good McMorrow, where it was all good. I mean, I've and same with I. I think when I had Fitzgerald on, the same. I can't ever say anything bad about Sheffield or anything. I'm, well, I mean, I think he had issues with management towards the end, but I mean, in terms of what they paid, whatever was owed, he was paid, and I never had an issue that way with them. So, um, yeah. Well, other than that, um, well, there's all the teams. There's all the rosters that we went through. Like I said, all nine teams. Um, I just want to say before uh, before we uh, before we end it, I've got to talk about the uh, the Manchester Sheffield brawl that season. Absolutely, because I imagine if uh, 
anybody who was around the game that time from Manchester or Sheffield would be horrified if uh, if this doesn't get sp- spoken about. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just a yeah crazy situation. Early in the season, uh, Corey, Sp- Corey Spring hit Paul Baraldo with a uh, with a really dirty low hit and uh, and ended up breaking his leg. This was early in the year. Baraldo had to go back to Canada. Well, he went back to Canada for uh, like rehabilitation to get everything sorted, and then and then he came back to Sheffield. He came back to Sheffield Christmas time, and his first game back was New Year's Eve. Have a guess who they was playing? Of course, yeah, Manchester. So, there's a lot of hype around this game. There's a lot of shit talk. Mike Blaisdell, the, the Steelers coach, has said in the press, if anything happens, I'm going to clear my bench. And uh, Which I fucking love. Could you imagine a coach saying that these days? Oh, shit. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what, like, if that, like last year with Washington and New York after the Reeves thing? Could you imagine if the New York team had said, we're going to clear the bench if anything happens tonight? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mike Blaze will say in the the press, anything happens, I'm going to clear my bench. Tremendous. I don't don't know this guy, but I already like him. (laughs) Hey, I'm sure Mike Blaze was a Saskatoon guy, you know. I'm sure he's from Saskatchewan. There you go. He played in the NHL. Have a look. Wait, we got five minutes. Have a look. I may be completely wrong. Oh, he's from Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw, yeah. He did play in the NHL. Yeah, he played 343 games in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Blazer, yeah. Yeah, yeah Blazer was old school and tough as shit. Yeah, well, he played on them old Regina Pats teams. Shit, man, at 63 games, dude, at 71 goals one year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good player. Good fight. Um,. Okay, that get, that gets me back to this story about Blaze Elgo fight. So, um, yeah, so th- this game goes about. Um, it's it's it, th- th- there's a lot of edge to it. There's a lot of expectation, but everything's kind of staying under control. Uh, Baraldo fought early in the game. He fought Greg Bullock, and uh, yeah, shit kicked Greg Bullock. And uh, Baraldo's not a fighter. So, but I imagine that's just him getting out of his system. Yeah. He's, he's had this inju- injury. He's fired up. Uh, here we go. The, both the teams are fired up. And then the whole Sheffield team wants to kill Corey Spring. He's, he's refusing to fight anybody and just trying to play. And then in the second period, just just a routine play on the boards. Spring goes to pick the puck up. Baraldo comes in, and for some reason, Corey Spring just throws the biggest elbow in the world at him and clocks him in the face. <laughs> like he hasn't done enough to this guy already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Baraldo goes down. He's hurt. Shit hits the fan. <laughs> that's it. It, it it's on at that point 
This, this game just descends into a shit show. Everybody's going after Corey Spring. Um, Trombley's already in the penalty box with Scotty Allison. And, um, yeah, yeah, Corey Spring's just saying, no, he's not going to fight anybody. And then uh, Metcalf kind of kind of jumps him. And then uh, Corey Spring drops the gloves down and fights Metcalf. When that fight happens, Rob Trombley leaves the penalty box, comes flying over. He gra- uh, I, I can't remember who, uh, who Rob Trombley gets to first, but in a split second, Danny Vial cuts him off and, and that's on. And uh, yeah, Spring and Scott Metcalf, they take, the, they take the jerseys off and square off at center ice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a crazy brawl. Uh, and it's one of those. I was amazed that the that the benches didn't clear. It's it's hard to explain. The whole thing was out of control, but it kind of stayed in control. It didn't go that far, if you know what I mean. It was wild. It 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 was wild, but it just didn't quite reach that level where where everything everything broke loose. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, but I imagine any Sheffield fans or Manchester fans that was uh, was watching back then would be uh, would be horrified if I didn't talk about that because that was a uh, that was a big event that year. Well, could you imagine? So you're out there on New Year's. Here you come back from your broken leg. You flew back home to Canada. You rehabbed, and here we go. I'm going to make my big triumphant return on New Year's. And uh, yeah, and the motherfucker that broke my leg just elbows me right in the mush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's one of those. Why the fuck did he do that? Because it's it's just completely out of nowhere. He throws the biggest elbow in the world, and uh, yeah, and Corey Spring he, he he fought a bit. Yeah, it wasn't like he was he was looking for it. So I I don't, I don't know what made him think that was a good idea. Well, and like you said, like Paul Beraldo, I mean, you, you're looking at it, and I mean. Like, yeah, it's the dude's final year. He's got 18 penalty minutes. Like, it's not like we're talking super goon here. Like, you know, like he's not a real big dude. So I don't know if it was just, uh, I don't know, just a personal issue with the guy or what. I mean, he just didn't like him, I guess. I don't know. But you'd think you'd have, oh, I broke the guy's leg. You'd think you'd feel bad about it. Nah, I'm going to elbow him in the face tonight, too. So... <laughs> Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's what when I was saying about Mike Blaisdell, uh, and I said we'll get back to him because uh, that same night, him and uh, Terry Christiansen, who was the Manchester coach, they, they both got given gross misconducts and fined because apparently they fought each other in the corridor. Tremendous, but they both denied it. But I, I don't, I don't quite believe the denial when the league upheld. The suspension, the fine. Something must have happened. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. For sure. If nothing yeah. happened, no one's getting suspended. So clearly, yeah. something did. Yeah. And Blaisdell was always fiery because a few years later, he, uh, when he was back in Not- Nottingham, coach, it was uh, the year oh four oh five. We we didn't sign a tough guy, and um, Graham Bielak, he hit. Stefan Shogren, uh, it was some Swedish guy. It was like on the final buzzer, Graham B like jumped into a hit and just fucking killed him. He broke his jaw. Yeah, just killed him but dirty hit. And again, you don't sign a tough guy, nobody's gonna do anything. So all the Panthers players was was stood round like 
what do I do? What do I do? And uh, Graham Bielak was chirping, and he was arguing with Blaisdell, and he skated over to the bench, and Blaisdell le- uh, leant over the bench, grabbed Bielak, and threw a punch at him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so yeah, he was always a fiery guy. There you go. Well, I mean, that's I, a- I, 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 that, that must be embarrassing when the, when the toughest guy on your team, the only guy that steps up is the fucking head coach. Yeah, could you imagine what that locker room speech was like at the end of that game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only guy throwing punches is the coach. Yeah, that ain't good. Well, 2000, 2001 British Ice Hockey Super League. There it is, folks. Two two and, what, on a half hours of uh, going back and traveling in the time machine and going over these rosters. And like I said, it's one of those leagues um, that I think is grossly, uh, from North, obviously not the UK fans, but... From the North American standpoint, I mean, we always, oh, the NHL or the AHL, the East Coast, we're always talking about that. And I, and the UK league gets forgotten about, especially back then. And even when, like you said, when you go through those early, the late 90s, early 2000s, you start going into past this year, but then the following years, Dodie Wood and McMorrow, a Brad Voth, Grant Bielak, like you said, goes over there. And then later on, Mel Engelstad, Sean Skihar. I mean, there has been some bad dudes that have gone over to the UK. I, I always say, any fight fan in North America, if you if you if you've always dismissed the UK league, just just give it just give it ten minutes and just go and look up the tough guys that played here in between ninety seven and two thousand and ten, yep. and I guarantee your favorite will be on that list. Yeah, well, and like you said, and during the lockout year, Eric Karens went over there, Wade Belak went over there, and like you said, they weren't over there for a Sunday skate. They took that shit yeah. serious. In fact, Belak and Karens ended up fighting each other over there, which I still, I said, I, and I said I couldn't believe it that because you think the NHL boys would kind of, hey, yeah, not tonight, boy, you know, whatever, like they'd stick together, but no, they were fighting, man. And I mean, and I mean, Jeremy Corner still taught when he was on my show, still talks about the time he was on the ice when Engelstad fought Karens. And he said he's never yeah. heard people hit each other that hard. Yeah, he said yeah, he said all you could hear was the was the thuds. Yeah. And again well and you had Cornish over there's another guy. Again, another tremendous interview folks. Uh definitely check out my interview with with uh Cornish. Uh I know Jeremy's listening. He always listens. Thank you. Uh definitely gonna get him back on the show. Tremendous guest. Gotta finish him report cards and get back to me, man. Let's go. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. I want to, uh, thank you for coming on the show. It's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, like I said, given, given us North American fans, uh, kind of the, the, the details of the UK league. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, uh, look at this guy wandering around getting beers and I'm trying to talk to him. All right. Well, yeah, sorry. Sorry. He was giving, he was giving the exit talk. I thought I had time to grab beer from the fridge. Sorry. Uh, no, it's uh, it's absolutely fine. I, I I am happy to talk fights all night long. So give give me a platform where I can sit with somebody and talk fights. You d- you don't have to thank me for coming on. I thank you for giving me that platform. No, and I and I hey, and like I always said, it was uh, and I've said it a bunch of times before, and I'm I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, but I've said it before. Um, you and Paul, and uh, there's a few guys over Sam and Scott and. Bunch of guys over in the UK. I'm not going to try to call everyone's name out. If I forgot your, I'm not forgetting your name. I'm just, 
but no, you guys have been loyal supporters of the show. You've always pumped the show up, and I can't thank you guys enough for doing that. And uh, and I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be anymore, but I'm always surprised at the support the show gets in the United Kingdom, especially when I've had a guy like like Zach Fitzgerald. Like, well, I've done what is this a hundred a hundred ninety some episodes. Had Morasti, McIntyre, have all these guys on. My two biggest episodes are Zach Fitzgerald and Colt King. And and it's because of the UK fans, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I can believe that. That's, that and that's, that's, it's so frustrating to see the state of the game now and how everything's looked at. When you go back just, just those few years, I mean, when Colt King was here, it, it wasn't that long ago. What we're talking six, seven years. Yeah. And even back then, the fans loved the tough guys. But it's uh Well, Fitzgerald was what just a couple have years ago. Yeah, back on them. Yeah, I mean, you got Fitzgerald and Gagnon trying to kill each other, and that was just a few years ago. Yeah. I tell you now, I I fucking love Matthew Gagnon. And I, yeah. I am the biggest complainer in the world. I am the most miserable bastard in the world goes to a game. Oh, it's shit. Even, even three years ago, the same. No, it's not hockey. It's not real hockey. But that's when we had Gagnon. I loved Matthew Gagnon. Gagnon was fucking awesome. Yes, he was. And, uh, yeah, Gagnon. And I can remember because uh, a friend of mine was posted in, in the Alberta Junior A League when, when, what the hell's going on over there? And, uh, so I, I the garage door, sorry. Oh, he's, well, he's drinking in the bar. He's got the bar set up in the garage. Never mind the car. Get the car out of there. we got to build a garage. I like your style. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Gagnon was playing in the Alberta Junior League, and he's like, you got to see this motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, he uh, – I always say with Gagnon, it's too bad he came along a decade too late because he could have uh, – he would have been an AHL regular if, in the 90s with that attitude that he's yeah. got. Oh, he's a mean bastard, man. I dig him. Yeah, again, it's such a shame because these guys who was, uh, when you look at it, and they're just like, yeah, they are fucking ruthless. They're going to do something stupid. The fact that they are ruthless and they're, they're going to do something stupid might have kept them out of the NHL, but they'd have still been in the AHL. Oh, shit, that'd get you signed in the AHL back in the day, absolutely. Yeah. I got you contracts. They're, they're just still in that money. That's how Gillings, Purington and Trevor Gillies managed to stick around for so long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, folks, honestly, yeah, don't sleep on the UK League. Um, I know I talked to a few people, just even regular listeners and, like, followers on the channel and and uh, just talked to them about you coming on or doing a UK thing. And it was the same response. I mean, they'll listen. I know they're listening, but the same response. Oh, man, you know, yeah, I don't know much about the UK you know, and following it over there. And they know they know a couple of the guys, but I think when people look into it, and like even when I asked you to, when you were going to come on and do the season ticket show, and I said, well, pick a year and we'll go into it. And you and Paul were both, oh, 2000, 2001. And like you said, yeah. when you start looking into the rosters, it's like, Jesus, all right. Yeah, like, yeah the league was stuck. Yeah, it was, uh, like, like I say, it was, uh, the Super League started in 97. And uh, before that, it was the old Heineken League, and each team was allowed to import. So when the Super League came in, it was a massive change. 
because he just went to there was no import rule. So everybody just loaded up with Canadians. But that first year, McWilliam came in for Cardiff. Um, McWilliam just beat up everybody. And uh, he had no competition. And then the second year, a couple of the other teams signed a big-name tough guy. But that that was it. But, yeah, when you come to 2000, that was the time when it was literally... It was an arms race between between the owners. Yeah. It was when they everybody had first got into... Yeah, we're, we're bringing a heavyweight in here. So, yeah, they used to, they used to bring the... They used to bring the big names in. And like I say, look at all those rosters. Each team, they didn't just have one big name. They had two big names. Every team would have... Any fight fan in North America who was a fan back then, every one of these UK teams had two names you will know. Absolutely. And like you said, and then you said with the short, with the smaller rosters... Yeah, whereas maybe these guys in the American League are on the fourth line getting a few shifts a period. Over there, they're playing full-time. So, yeah. And with that becomes more mischief because now you got more chance to get into some shit. So, you know, and you, and you know they're going to full well take advantage of some of these guys that are over there. And, uh, yeah, which leads to, as you said, you know, as we talked about, a few bench clearings and a few incidents. And, yeah, man. And it's... Uh, yeah, good times. And like you said, and Paul's... Let's see, last time I was on, and sometimes I don't think this gives it as much credit as it deserved because it was it, it it was a serious league. Yeah. So I don't I don't I don't, I don't want to come across as uh, the guys wasn't taking it serious. Every game, the, the, the guy gave it 100%. Uh, but yeah, how I explained it to me before was... Some of the, a lot of the, a lot of the big name tough guys we got, they, they was, they just come out of the IHL or the AHL. Yeah. They was, they was towards the end of the career, and it was, they weren't, they wasn't coming out, second shift of the game, shaking the love, challenging guys. So, it, it, some was, but a lot wasn't. But at the same time. It's not a case of they wasn't going to fight. If something happened, that they was more than willing. Well, and that's the thing, and and I guess that's the point. Yeah, where instead of just you know in the American League IHL, maybe it's like okay, and staged. I don't want to use the word stage because that's not right. But they have a guy. I have a guy to maybe justify our positions or whatever. You know, whatever. But over there, like you said, when you're playing. For them to fight, they're not just going to go out and fight because they don't need to prove themselves anymore. They're that's yeah. what you know. They're a name already, but when they fight, it's it's because they're pissed because somebody's doing something to them or have done something to somebody. So now you're getting the pissed off version of the guy. Yeah. So now you, the fu- you could you could, you could take your IHL deal, but within that IHL deal, you've got to fight twenty eight times this year. Yeah. Where you come to the UK, we're going to pay you the same amount of money, but you're probably going to have to fight twelve times. Yep, that that, that was the difference. Yep, absolutely, and uh, it made for some great fights. And you know what? It made for a great episode. 
And uh, I think we'll uh, we're two hours and forty minutes in, so I think we'll wrap it up. But uh, yeah, I, def- okay, yeah. I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this obviously will not be your last time on the show. And uh, again, I, I always say it to you, but I will say it while you're on the air, and I mean it. I always want to thank you for your promotion of the show. You've always been very good at uh, bouncing around the UK forums, pissing everybody off, and promoting yeah. this promoting my show and uh you and paul and lots of guys over there and all you guys that are listening thank you very much from uh from a guy over here in saskatchewan it's pretty wild for me when i and i've said it a bunch of times that to think that people in nottingham or cardiff or or sheffield are actually listening to me as i sit in my basement in saskatoon yelling out the window is amazing to me and uh the support you guys have shown over there is is unbelievable, and there are some diehards. I know that that still love the the old days and and the old fights, and uh, I, I think they'll really dig this episode. No, you you said I want to say thank you for having me. For uh, I mean, I'm, I'm married with children. For somebody to give me the opportunity to spend two hours of my life just to talk about fights, I am over the moon with that. I I will talk fights all night long. So. Anytime I can get that platform, I'm more than happy. Absolutely. Well, well, hey, thank you. And uh, well, one of these times, you know what? We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to sucker him in. Tell you gotta get Paul over there. Tell him it's just for beers in the garage. And the next thing you know, we're gonna hit record. We're gonna get Paul on the air here. Oh shit! I I spoke to him on the phone earlier, and I said to him, "I went, Paul. I says when you, I went when your phone rings later on, it says Skype. I went, don't worry about it. Just answer." (laughs) (laughs) It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I I, do you know, I, I really don't fucking get it. That kid knows fucking everything about everything about fights in the UK. He he is he is one of the most knowledgeable fight fans I know. And it, it's 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 a fucking travesty that he will not come on the podcast. I know. We're publicly outing you here, Paul. But no, oh he's tremendous and he's actually in all seriousness, he's been great with the He's helped me out with some, with pictures and video and information when I have a guest on. I'll, hey, Paul, I'm getting this guy on. Is there anything I should know? And he'll throw some nuggets at me. And, and like I said, some video clips. And uh, I know uh, Cornish Jeremy talks really highly of, about you and Paul. Um, for, same for own. You know, it was like, you know, and uh, yeah. And like, as we said, with we, I've already, we've been pumping Paul's tires already here, but if you're watching the UK, and for people after you've listened to this episode to go and you want to watch a Bedard fight or Ferone fight or what have you over there, you're watching something Paul collected and, and uploaded for you guys. And uh, no, when it comes to fights in the UK, he's the man. I, uh, Paul's a great dude, and uh, we always bust his balls about coming on the show. But uh, yeah, no, it's fucking travesty. Yeah, but he, he's the man. I'm telling you. Yeah, you need to know something. He's 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 there. So, but, uh, anyway, man, I'll let you go. I know it's getting late out there and, uh, I won't keep you any longer, but, uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. No, thank you. Enjoyed it. We'll definitely do it again. Definitely. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on? And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 197 of The Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. 
How's everybody doing out there? Sorry for the delay, folks. I mean, I know it's Wednesday and we always get them out on Wednesday, but uh, yeah, normally I upload them at uh, Tuesday night, so they're out, like, you know, first thing bright and early Wednesday morning, but uh, unfortunately, uh, circumstances did not allow me to, uh, more or less uh, to read between the lines. I fell asleep after supper. <laughs> Slept the night away, so you're getting it here Wednesday evening, but uh, <clears throat> got a great episode for you guys. Um, it is another one of the season ticket series, and this time my old friend John Searson from the UK joins me, and we are going to talk about the British Super League, the BISL, and uh, it's the year 2000-2001, and we go through the different teams and the and the top, and I'll tell you guys, I, and I say it in the episode, and I've, I've said it before, but man... Um, I think people have slept on the toughness that was over in the UK back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Because I'll tell you, when we go through these rosters, stacked, Morissette, Bedard, uh, you know, on and on. And, it, you know, Rob Tremblay, Clayton Norris, Schulte, uh, Biel, it's uh, tremendous, Ferone, you know, and it's... Um, yeah, we have, and uh, and I always enjoy having John on anyway, and I'd like to thank him for coming on again. Uh, Paul, thank you for your help out in the UK. Wonderful channel, yeah, UK Fights. If you've watched a fight from the UK, it's Paul's. But um, guys, seriously, uh, I, I encourage you to go and check out Paul's channel and look up some of the fights that we talk about, um, and awesome. Bedard gets into some awesome tilts over there. And, uh, yeah, we break it all down in this season ticket series. And this is the third installment of that series. Um, I had Anthony on to talk with about the East Coast League. And, of course, I had Jay on to talk about the United League. And uh, I'm really enjoying the series. It's uh, To me, it's kind of a unique thing. Um, you know, and, and it'll always obviously be fight central, like, you know, based, fight based and stuff. But we'll talk about other things as well. But uh, just different stories that happen throughout the, you know, throughout the uh, season. And, uh, I don't know, it's just something different. Like I said, it's 197 episodes, you know, you, you start, uh, the well starts running a little dry. And, uh, but, uh, I have some guests lined up for you guys. Uh, you know, just gotta pick a time and hopefully they can get on and we can record something. But, uh, uh, of course, if, uh, any, any of the UK fans are lit, I'm sure this will get a few, a uh, few new listeners. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I do two shows a week, Wednesday and Sunday. And, uh, usually Wednesday is like an interview show or what have you. And then Sunday is my, my rant episode where, I don't know, usually something on social media and the hockey world is bugging me. So I'll yell about that or we talk about some old fights or some old lists or something. Yeah, whatever. We just, we just yap here. So I, uh, and like I said, it's episode 197. I encourage you to please go check the back catalog. I've had some tremendous guests on Steve McIntyre, uh, John Morasti, uh, Zach Fitzgerald, Colt King for you UK fans, Mike McWilliam for you older UK fans, Frank Kovacs, uh, Paul Ferrone, um, Riley Emerson, Matt Nickerson, uh, Sean McMorrow. I've had all the UK, uh, lots of UK guys on. Um, uh, Joe Grimaldi, and that was a very polarizing interview that uh, people got worked up about. But yeah, I've had great guests on, and they tell some great stories, and I encourage you to check out the back catalog. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, as we kind of get close to the playoffs here and wrapping up, uh, you know, getting ready to go into the playoffs, they're, they got lots to talk about coming down to the wire. So check them out. For my off-network friends, of course, we got 
you know, all old and sailing there. He, like I said, he packed up the shanty and moved to North Carolina. Uh, he hasn't done an episode for a little bit. Uh, they're still searching for the Wi-Fi. You know, uh, you know, the Sonic drive-through kicked him out. So now he's trying to figure out the neighbor's password. So I don't know when he's coming out with another episode. He plans on it, but I mean, like I said, you know, anything to avoid paying the wife, the, the, you know, the internet bill. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but I'm sure he'll come something out. But in the meantime, uh, while we're waiting for new episodes, I will begrudgingly admit that he has a tremendous back catalog. Yablonski, Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, Jacques Mayotte, check it out. Also, he has the Five for Fighting YouTube channel, which he is uploading East Coast League fights from this year and last year. He just kind of got rolling. So if you could subscribe to the channel, we're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers. So, um, and it's just a little thing, the little bell up in the right hand corner, bang, nail it. You subscribe and away we go. It helps Alec out and, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Then of course, in the heart of New York City, MSG, the world's most famous arena, none other than Broadway, Joe Lazito. Give me Lazito! Yeah, tremendous. Coliseum Chronicles, it's a New York Islander based podcast. I know, I just throw Heart of New York, MSG, and now I throw the Islanders at you. But yes, it is a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Again, tremendous back catalog. Fakoda, Strudwick, Asham, Bolton, Matt Karkner, on and on. Joe does a tremendous job. Um, yeah, Joe, I, Joe's been busy and stuff and trying to round up guests and with work and everything else. Um, it's been a little while since he's putting out an episode, but I mean, they'll be coming, folks. Believe me, no, no one's retired yet. I mean, there's a few people that probably wish somebody would take two weeks off and then quit, but no one's quit yet. They're just sort of taking breaks. I don't, I don't have that luxury, folks. No, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm the hardest working man in podcasting here. I'm here twice a week for you guys. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the sick time. I don't have the vacation time. My union doesn't have that, like, like, uh, Coden Salen and, and Jolt and Joe do. So, yeah, I gotta talk, to, I gotta talk to these network guys. I'm telling you, Isha and Dylan are, yeah, that's tough, tough bosses, man. I don't know. But, uh, Definitely give Joe's Joe's channel a, a, a show a listen. Uh, again, I've known Joe a long time. Does a great job um, in depth interviews. You, if you didn't know the guy at the start of the interview, you will you will by the end. Um, I've had Joe on a few times on my show. Tremendous guest. Uh, yeah, and I, I always I always give Joe a hard time, but you know you know I always stick up for Joe. You know, some people say he's not fit to shovel horse shit. I said he is so so. That's Broadway Joe Lozito. Give it a Lozito. All right, folks. Uh, enough of this because Searson and I yap. I think it's, I can't remember. It was last week, but I think it's almost three hours. So I'll shut up and get out of here. But <clears throat> before I go, as I said, follow me on Twitter at Facebook, Fourth Line Voice. Send me a friend's request, what have you. Also, check out my YouTube channel. Again, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,700 uh, fight videos on there. Type in whatever league you're looking for. Everything's sorted. Uh, if you could subscribe to the channel, it'd be greatly appreciated. And also, whatever platform you happen to be listening to this podcast on right now, could you rate and review my show? It definitely it helps me out in the searches. And uh, Joe and Alec, if you could help, if you could uh, review their show as well, because like I said, Al, it's the little things that you guys do that that might not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to us because it helps us out. So yeah, if you could rate and review, tremendous. As I always say, if you could download the episode. Um, that's how I get paid is by the download. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Throwing it right out on Main Street for you guys. Uh, so please, uh, if you could do that, it would be, uh, greatly appreciated. 
Anyway, but yeah, like I said, it'd be, it'd be very much appreciated if you guys could do that. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Again, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for, I know there's a million podcasts in the world. The fact that you chose to take time out of your, out of your day to listen to this one is greatly appreciated. I hope you come back. For those, for those other listeners that are, are back again, thank you. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the kind words. And like I said, I've been getting actually a lot of, uh, uh, emails and private messages lately, and I, and I really appreciate it. And hey, I'd love to hear from you guys. Like I said, social media, get a hold of me through there. If you're not on social media, you're smarter than the rest of us. But if you're not, hockey fights at hotmail. Like I said, all one word. I still have a hotmail account. Hockey fights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. Uh, give me some ideas, feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. I'd like to, like I said, it's, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm always up for constructive criticism. If there's something I'm not doing. If there's something I am doing that's annoying, let me know. Cause I won't know unless someone tells me. So, uh, yeah. But if you just want to, if you have a story, if you have something to share, I'd love to hear it. So please drop me a line. Love to hear from you guys. But, uh, I'll shut up. Let's get into it. Here's my conversation with John Searson. Hop in the time machine, get in the DeLorean with us. Let's hit 88 miles an hour and head back to 2000, the year 2000. And let's enjoy the British Super League. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you on Sunday.